The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I, with the fat fingers, am your host for tonight, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Needs on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And that uh, sound, the sound effect that you have just heard come from another our man in Brooklyn. One agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? I am vaxxed and boosted. Screw you, Kyrie Irving. Get the hell out of Brooklyn. The earth is not flat. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What a oh, right. moron. He Get vaccinated. He did say that, didn't he? <laughs> Uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, matter of fact, I need to go get my booster. Um, because it's just, just about time for that to come come up. Get your boosters, folks. Anyway, this is the Combo Chronicles. You can find this program on the Cold Leather Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today like you should get vaxxed and boosted. Yeah. What he said. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Leave us five-star reviews, hit like and subscribe, because damn it, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you haven't uh, paid any attention uh, to... if. You know that there's some sports ball going on tonight, and Agent Underscore Seventy is, uh, you know, kind of halfway here, halfway there. Well, more, more so there, halfway here. Well, no, the <laughs> game, the game is over, oh, okay. and they lost, and it's just annoying as hell because it was a game they needed to have and they should have had. But of course, somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not turning this into a sports. Uh, talk radio show or podcast, no, but I'm I'm supremely annoyed right now. Yeah, and do so. You you get he, you got that energy uh, from him for the next hour or two. Um, but that being said, you can also uh, catch that um, that energy live every Thursday night, nine thirty ish p.m. Uh, recording all live on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Yeah, like I said, hit like and subscribe. Leave us all the good reviews. Yes. Like the, the true New Yorkers. Um, so, yeah, we're going to 
uh, get into the books of the night. But first, I'm going to real quick, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to kind of mention the fact that um, Star Trek Picard season two just started. And in fact, it comes out every Thursday. So that's going to be a thing, um, apparently, from what I saw. So, yeah, it dropped today. I, for some strange reason, thought we had a couple more weeks. I in, did end up watching it uh, before the show. Um, the only thing I will say so far is that if you've heard anything about um, who's going to be on the show, you kind of, or who's going to be guesting on the show, I know we've had some, um, we've had some articles about it. You pretty much get that. Like it's a, it's an introductory episode. It's kind of starting from the last, the end of the last season, showing where everybody is, uh, and then pretty much goes into uh, the plot, which I can pretty much say that if you're up on your Trek lore, specifically with uh, Picard and a couple other people um, uh, associated with the show, you can probably guess what's going, what's uh, who's going to be involved uh, in probably a good 20 minutes of the show. I will say that much. Um, yeah, it, it really doesn't take to take that long unless you just like not even paying attention and you just along for the ride. So it didn't really take that much longer. Um, but outside of that, it was a pretty good start. I thought uh, I, I am looking forward to seeing the rest of it. You know, I wasn't sure if the show needed a second season. That's still going to bear out. But um, it started strong for, for as far as I was concerned. Um, and it's definitely, you know, it wasn't seeming that much Trek in, in parts. I see why some people were saying that in the beginning of it. But at the same time, like it kind of was. And at the very end, it pretty much is Trek. Some, or at least some semblance of later Trek <laughs> that we're coming back around to. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was pretty good. And if you get a chance to watch it, go for it. Um, but that being said, uh, Agent Seven hadn't had a chance to watch it. That's, that's the other reason why I'm not really trying to spoil anything for him. And there wasn't really not much to spoil in this one, honestly. So. Um, Except for what happens at the end, but I'm not even going to you know, let that be. Let that be the the thing. Like I said, it's coming out on Thursday, so it does not. If we do end up talking about it, there won't be too many spoilers about it. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the books of the night, starting off with Amazing Spider-Man number ninety-one. All right, so the creative team on Amazing Spider-Man number ninety-one. This book is written by Kelly Thompson with pencils by Sarah Pacelli and Fran Galan. Brian Reber is the color artist, and our favorite lettering, Paisan, is on letters. That is no other than VC's Joe Caramagna. Take it away. Oh, wait, that's the that's the uh, variant. What I'm showing now is the Sarah Pacelli variant. Sorry. Um, There we go. That's the right one. So, yeah. Right. Art Adams covers are usually the main covers, the A covers. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think I had picked. I was going through trying to find covers, and I was like, "Oh, I see some 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 pretty decent um, uh, variants." So, so I might see some of those tonight. But yeah, um, Ben and and I don't know why I put his name first, but screw Ben. Uh, Peter and Ben are raiding at uh, Long that Staten Island base. Excuse me, that's the Long Island Staten Island Beyond base, and they meet in some resistance of the Beyond kind, basically. <laughs> As as one would expect, um, uh, Misty and Colleen kind of come in for the fun, and then Ben 
the whole way through is pretty much doing Ben things, which is slightly annoying at this point, but kind of, I guess, more annoying because of the fact that, you know, what he what he's gotten into his head or more to the point, what was taken out of his head is partially kind of screwing her with him. And in addition to, um, you know, what he's trying to get back, I guess. I don't really know. Who knows? It's freaking Ben Riley. Who cares? Uh, and on the other side of the token, his lady friend Janine is, is is want to get in some trouble, like the redheads of this world tend to do. So we'll see what she's getting into at some point. But uh, outside of that, I kind of enjoyed the issue for I kind of what it what it was like. You know, the the fact that Ben was doing Ben things that didn't near the near the, uh, the end of it was kind of like, all right, here we go again doing this thing. But the whole. Um, the banter thing, especially with uh, when Misty and Colleen came in, was pretty neat. You know, with the with the guys, they seem to be having fun with it. Um, well, it's uh, nice that those characters have a little bit of shine in the series, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, what we find is that Ben Riley has his own agenda, which may not necessarily jive with uh, the heroic agenda that. The, the Daughters of the Dragon and uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man are used to. So that's where we kind of end up at the end of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to, because uh, I was thinking like, wait, what's this big kaiju? Did I, for like two seconds, I was like, wait, I know this, I know who this is, but I was like, oh no, they got this big kaiju behind this big door. <laughs> but we know who that is. Um, that Ben stupidly opened up. I'm sitting here like, because I was sitting here thinking, it's like, wait, did she actually tricky him, or what, or did she actually go do, um, or did he actually just go off script and he just did it anyway? What did what did he do? Um, I'm going to assume the latter because again, it's Ben Riley, but like, yeah, okay. So he's causing trouble for other people just to get to to deal with his uh, his agenda. Um. So go figure. So I guess we'll start because again, I guess this is going to wrap up pretty soon, thankfully. So we'll see how that works out. Um, outside of that, you got anything else to say about it? Uh, the cover for the next issue is previewed at the end of the book, yes. and there's a little bit of a spoiler that's not revealed in the art on the last page of this book. So. Uh, that could be a pretty significant uh, development for the character that's depicted. It's who you think it is, but because of the coloration of the character, you don't necessarily jump to that conclusion immediately so that anyone picking up the next issue and taking a look at the cover may not immediately figure out who that is actually that is fighting the daughters of the dragon and spider-man it's not a spoiler it's literally the cover for the next issue so uh but it's revealed at the end of this issue who that is or at least who who we're supposed to think it is we're pretty sure that's who it is but as i said the developments that are depicted on the cover for issue 92 not necessarily what we see here but you know it, it 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 could be an interesting development for the character who has been, I don't know, stagnant. Stagnant maybe is not the word, but at the same time, 
you know, we've seen uh, uh, this character have uh, a family kind of drift in and out of the continuity story. And uh, this could prove to be uh, a development for the better to, you know, to advance the character a little bit. We'll see. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I I guess. Like I said, I'm just kind of waiting to see what what the deal is. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Um, it could be just like yeah, here here this character is, and then they'll just deal with it or deal with them or something. I don't know. Uh, that being the case, we can move on to another book. Did you read that Miles? Um, what if or? No, go ahead. Okay. I did not. No, read no, that. no, 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 no. I'm gonna do that in rapid fire. Then see what else you got up in here. Uh, actually, this. Hmm. All right. You know what? Here's here's a, a nice little one too. We'll do She-Hulk number two. Sure. She-Hulk number two. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. I can do their creative team. Yeah, I'm getting there. Nope. Just need a moment. I did not have a chance to type in any of my creative teams this week. So I am literally scrolling through my uh, my collection of preview copies here, folks. So just bear with me. Mm-hmm. Shout out to this Ben uh, Jen Bartel cover. So, uh, She-Hulk number two is written by Rainbow Roll with art by Roger or Ro. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how the uh, the umlaut changes the pronunciation or the uh, no the the uh, the accent. Uh, I forget what the name of that accent is, mm-hmm. but uh, the Roger Antonio is the artist uh, credited as the artist. Uh, so. Uh, hard to t- hard to say whether or not this is pencils or digital. Rico Renzi is the color artist, and this is lettered by again our favorite lettering Paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. So this book picks up right where we left off at the end of She Hulk number one with the reintroduction of um, w- you, know, you know what was kind of I guess unknown but more likely forgotten by me that being the relationship that jack of hearts has with she-hulk and had Mm. developed i guess in the pages of his run on the avengers when he was i want to say it was jeff johns's avengers yeah when this is post kurt busiek when they were both on the, the team together. And I want to say this was yeah. right before disassembled. I'm, I, I don't remember time is weird, weird. Um, but I feel like it was right. kind of around that time. Right. And this is, this is a long time ago, right. folks. This is not recent history by any means. So, uh, ultimately this, uh, pairing of characters, unbeknownst to me, you know, they had developed some sort of relationship, romantic or otherwise, and it's been rekindled at the in the pages of this She-Hulk book and is actually spilling over into the pages of the Fantastic Four book written by Dan Slott that also came out this week. Which we're talking but about in this, this issue, we have a little bit of a recap of what Jack of Hearts may or may not have been up to and what led to his apparent demise back in the pages of Avengers. That's what we sort of remember uh, happening back then. 
And it seems that Jack's status quo has changed. Uh, his physical status quo has changed as revealed in the pages of this book. And I won't spoil that, but it uh, it's basically uh, stuff that Jack himself has to work through because he is not how he remembers. Right. Uh, his status now, his physical status is not now as he remembers it was when he, you know, prior to being presumably resurrected somehow. Right. Uh, we have a little bit of a catch up with uh, Jen Walters in her new uh, lawyer job. Now that she has kind of decided to uh, go green closer to full time. Now that she's regained some of her old clothes uh, as a result of uh, the events of the first issue and regaining, uh, an older crash pad slash apartment from Janet Van Dyne. And, you know, we won't go into the cliffhanger so much that's at the end of this issue, but I will leave it at it seems to set up the premise of one, why we're getting Jack of Hearts back and two, whether or not there is a villain somewhere pulling strings behind the scenes in this opening arc of She-Hulk. Your thoughts? Right. So, um, outside of that, the one thing that I was tripping about was like during the halfway during the reading of this, I'm thinking like, okay, he's recounting his, his quote unquote, his escape, um, which apparently was a thing, but not in the way that, it was led to believe, um, you know, during the recounting, I guess. And I guess there still is a, another question or two that could come out of it, but nothing, you know, nothing that couldn't be explained about. It was like, well, he was energy, so I guess he got collected or something. We don't, you know, I don't, which, you know, he didn't really die. He was just, you know, he just <laughs> dispersed, basically. Um, but also I, uh, there's parts of, uh, when he quote unquote died that I don't remember, but the one thing that did kind of stick into my mind was like, where the hell was he when, when Jen was gamma bomb Jen, like, you know, back during, during Avengers. Cause, cause all the while he was thinking like he was too scared to touch her because part of that Avengers uh, storyline was he was draining her gamma energy. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the thing. And apparently that, that is not happening now, but I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, Oh, oh yeah, that is right. So, and he even, cause they even explained how he found her again, coincidentally. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, wait, so, and I never realized this probably happened after the fact, but I'm sitting here thinking like, well, wait a minute. If he was, how long was he looking for her? How did he not know uh, where she was during during you know when she was way bigger during the during, during the Avengers before they took care of that part? So, like that could have been a, a way simpler uh, explanation. Mm. So or a, another way to take care of it, I should say. But then you figure it is what it is. Outside of that, um, yeah, I guess we'll get to see you know who else is who else is um, coming to play here and why Jack of Hearts is coming back for any reason. Because this is not the only book that Jack of Hearts has appeared in in the last couple of weeks, by the way. Um, which is weird. I have never really cared for that character, so the the fact that he's back for any, you know, for any reason is beyond me. And also the fact that it was like, wait, Jen, 
you just got this new apartment. He found you. Y'all just all of a sudden getting getting a relationship back together again just that quick. Like, how, how and why you're doing this? Like, there should be some, some a little bit of time. But as we see in the the, the uh, pages of Fantastic Four, which I guess we can go ahead and talk about in a second. Um, sure. Uh, like, they're kind of like they never left. I mean, like they never like things were never the thing. So that's kind of weird. So yeah, we can move on to Fantasy Four uh, number forty-one now. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, it's nice to give Jen a foil, sure, because they've already dealt with Titania. So, yeah. you know, when I say foil, it's not necessarily a, 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 a an opposite or a villain, but also someone who you know, uh, uh, someone with powers that can kind of play off of uh, her. interact with her. Right. You know, whether or not it's a true love interest. I don't know if that's where Rainbow Roll wants to technically go, but we'll see how that develops. It's only the second issue. True, but in Fantastic Four, he's she's calling him Honey. So right, right. I mean, but that's that. I was about to say that was going to be my qualification. Right, is that we don't know if that's where Rainbow Roll wants to go, or at least oh, right I away. But maybe Slot, ha, you know, is putting in his own twist in the pages of the Fantastic Four, which we'll get to now. Gotcha. So Fantastic Four number 41 is written by Dan Slott, the aforementioned Dan Slott, with art by Rachel Stott, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters once again by our favorite lettering, Paisan, VCs Joe Caramagna. So we are in the thick of the Reckoning War, and uh, the issue opens with the Watchers having a Council of Watchers meeting, and things don't exactly go the way Uatu wanted them to. But meanwhile, in Shi'ar space, uh, the FF is making a break. The FF minus, uh, well, let's say the FF minus Johnny Storm, but with the replacement uh, Jack of Hearts as the fourth member of the FF, uh, make a break for Shi'ar space and are headed towards the Mkron crystal of uh, X-Men lore, more familiar to the uh, uh, readers of the X-Men. And the uh, Prosilicans, or the Reckoning, uh, as they've been kind of reintroduced into the Marvel continuity, are... You know, are there already? They're headed for the Mkron crystal, and we're starting to get flashbacks to things that have been foreshadowed in the pages of Slot's uh, Fantastic Four run. But with, as it is with lots of fortune telling slash future seeing uh, slash, uh, oh, there's a technical word for it. Um, uh, what's what's the uh, uh, what's the, uh, the the there's a fancy word for looking into the future? Foreshadowing? Not, or no, no, not foreshadowing. Like actually looking, like magically looking into the future. Oh, not spying, um, but I was about to say soothsaying, but that's not no, no sir. No, no, but there's a know. but there's a, I, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of there's it. There's a word that I'm looking for, right. and it's literally because I, I literally put out a bunch of synonyms for it. But at the end of the day, uh, where we we've grown accustomed to the uh, storytelling format. I don't want to say trope, but the format where what is being foretold 
doesn't exactly happen the way it was foretold. There's a twist to it. And the twist here is that uh, Ben uh, seems to have seen his ending, but it doesn't exactly happen the way things don't exactly happen the way he was uh, the way he had seen foretold. And uh, there is a twist to it. Ultimately, you know, what is what we're left with in that uh, encounter is that She-Hulk's role and why all of this may or may not be her fault Mm -hmm. still has not been resolved. But we kind of leave uh, the the crew that's by the Mkron crystal, uh, you know, thinking about her role in it. And I will let Roddy Cap pick up at this point and talk about what Johnny Storm has been up to since he stormed off in uh, hot-headed rage to uh, tend to the planet of Spire. Right. So, uh, so two things. Yeah. The, um, I, well, I guess that that encounter left Ben. I, I don't want to say half the man that he was, but part of the, uh, apparently part of the man that he was in 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 that space. But um, um, but also that this is some stuff like we said the last time we talked about it. Some stuff that is coming from Slot's run of She Hulk, also, which is why her part, I guess, is coming into play. Uh, but yeah, so Johnny stormed off to boom, 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 to Spire last issue uh, because Annihilus was coming with an Annihilation Wave and uh, the, what did they call them? The un, um, what is that group of, their group of superheroes? The Unparalleled. The Unparalleled, thank you. Uh, we're basically trying to hold. I got hold- sick and tired of reading that, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, yeah. the unparalleled. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, so the unparalleled were uh, doing the best they could to kind of hold off the situation until Johnny comes in. And I love how when I was like, uh, you know, um, we might need to change our name because his entrance was, was very much unparalleled. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Johnny comes in kind of like a boss and just just um, takes care of Annihilus, as he has done before, I guess. Um Right. I mean, at this point, uh, forgive me for interrupting, but at this point, he seems to be on a Fire Lord or even stronger level. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, he's juiced up to the point where he may be Herald of Galactus level or stronger because I don't think we've ever seen. And obviously, this is a storytelling, um, you know, this is a a storytelling point Mm -hmm. for for slot here. But I don't know if we've ever seen the surfer take on a nihilist that way. That's true. They're usually not necessarily toe to toe, but they're usually somewhat evenly matched, I guess, or somewhat paralleled. Uh, right. So yeah. that's why I, I, I hesitate to say whether or not Johnny's at Fire Lord level. He may actually be exceeding Fire Lord level at this point. You know, you, you have to use Fire Lord as the comparative, uh, as, as a comparable be- here because he is, you know, the traditional cosmic powered flame character. Mm. You know, uh, Frankie Ray Nova being another one. But it seems that Johnny Storm at this point, thanks to Victor Von Doom, has been powered up beyond their levels. Right. Thanks to well, thanks to also to himself for um <laughs> uh for 
Yeah, for being a serial philanderer. Yeah, basically, for for the being the reason why Victor did uh, what he did to him. But yeah, so it's, and actually speaking of Heroes of the Galactus, could we get one last bit uh, at the end of this issue of um, uh, Silver Surfer and and others in Asgard as they are seemingly uh, trying to. Um, I guess not to not necessarily get it over the way. Let's just say, I guess, trying to... Um... Well, it's not really a spoiler because it was teased in the last issue. Well, yeah, I guess right? that's true. Too. So if you're yeah. not up to date, right? If you're not up to date, we apologize. So it's a minor spoiler, but at the end of the day, the Heralds, if you're not, if you're not familiar with what happened in the pages of Thor, uh, Galactus bit the, you know, you know, uh, bit the dust. Again. Uh yeah, at the hands, essentially at the hands of Thor early on in the Kate's run, right. the recent run. And now, uh, story-wise, they need to bring Galactus back. <laughs> so they're they going do. to engineer a way to bring Galactus back. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get here. Yeah, And, and it also say... involves Thor for reasons that are apparent if you've read the, the, the recent Kate's run on Thor. Right. Because actually... I'm trying to remember. I feel like for some strange reason, I felt like I read where he was, but I guess if that wasn't Thor, maybe I didn't. But um, well, you probably read like the first couple of issues of that run, mm-hmm. and then maybe fell off. Maybe I don't know. For some strange, some strange reason, it didn't surprise me that uh, Thor was involved with this because he was he had helped out Galactus mm. at one point. Because pretty much, pretty much, mostly everybody who was still who is still around who has been a herald of Galactus or had some similar mantle to him kind of came over here, came over to Asgard to help resurrect uh, Galactus. And it just so happens that uh, now the one shocker was the destroyer who also plays a major part in this, um, was, I guess once a, a herald or something. Right. That's that old. That's there? a very old, uh, callback. That's right. an old pull that slot. Uh, decided to put into the story. Right. Uh, but obviously with the cosmic powers uh, at hand and obviously Uru being an enchanted moon rock metal mm-hmm. uh, uh, being what it is, uh, what they transform the destroyer into is pretty impressive. Yeah. Some would say metal. Oh, no. Goodness gracious. <laughs> So yeah, so Galactus is, is kind of sort of back, I guess. Um, we'll see how long that sticks because because the Life Ringer didn't stick that long, and I like right. that version. So I mean, it was an interesting twist, yeah. but uh, you know, and and this and this version probably won't stay that long. But while it is excellent, so there you go. So yeah, and of course, this is all in the service of Reckoning War, which is going on, so um, right. we'll see how that gets used in the next issue uh, to come. How many? Right. Do we know and, how many and, and it's an easy, you know, what's funny is that uh, before we move on, yeah, this was a, a quick reminder as to why the Iron Man stories are functioning the way they're functioning, because this is what happens to Galactus. It's, an, it's a quick reminder for anyone who's not, not up on the Kate's uh, Thor run as to what's been going on with the uh, the world eater, right? So yeah, um, well yeah, I guess that is a good point about Iron Man, but yeah, never the two will meet, I suppose. Um, right. 
so yeah uh that is fantastic 441 i guess i don't know did you have another book you want to do or you want to go into a uh, rapid no we'll go rapid fire okay it's yeah. all good i will spin it up i ain't got time to bleed all righty uh do you have a lot more books than i do i think we probably have a little bit of crossover no i think we do have a little no i think i got like one less book than you all right do you want me to lead off uh sure all right so batman number 121 uh this is the last issue of what appears to have been uh kind of a filler arc as it were but it's still being you know it's still being done by the prime uh creative team of uh writer Joshua Williamson with Jorge Molina and Mikel Janin on art Tomo Mori on colors and Clayton Cowles on letters so uh this kind of filler arc as it were uh i think has some purpose and i'll tell you what that purpose is without spoiling everything but at the end of the day uh in badanesia this awful awful fake country um batman has found a way to reinvigorate without this is really without me spoiling anything that happens in the story the, the 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 storytellers here have found a way to reinvigorate the concept of Batman Incorporated, re and 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 the, it's teased that uh, Ghost Maker uh, is, may be going off in that direction. Uh, Luthor is uh, established as a player in the Batman uh, corner of the DC universe. Uh, not that he hasn't been before, but he's definitely been uh, uh, set up as someone who is uh, not happy about what has happened in these recent issues. And at the end of this issue, we find that Batman is, in fact, returning to Gotham City just in time for a, uh, a storyline involving Deathstroke the Terminator. And there is a big, quote unquote, alpha uh, issue coming up that is uh, I guess the precursor to the main crossover of Shadow War so I think that is the Gotham centric uh, event book that's coming out in the near future oh yeah and yeah because I'm not sure if I mentioned it when when I talked about um, uh, that Deathstroke Inc book because it definitely has something to do with that like this is there was some stuff going on that's probably leading into that was leading into all of this. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. All righty. Next up is GI Joe, a real American hero, Yo Joe number one. So this is one of those kind of uh, trade paper. It's kind of a trade. It's kind of a an issue that collects several older stories for uh you know they kind of repurpose four issues gi joe real american heroes number 24 50 205 and 286 all written by the illustrious larry hama with art by a a a whole bunch of people uh the first two books are from the marvel era and the last two books are from the idw era 
And it's just a, a, a collection of fun stories. I really had uh, an interesting time reading the last issue, which is uh, one of the IDW books where uh, Larry Hama decided to fill in kind of retcon in a little bit of a development into the snake eyes and storm shadow origin stories that were told in the original Marvel run. So I had, uh, some fun reading that particular, uh, issue in this compilation. So this is really a four issue compilation. And, uh, if you are interested in just reading up on some older GI Joe issues, it is, you know, it's, it's kind of like a fun little, you know, one and done, uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily an anthology. It's really just a small collection. Okay, so they're not like necessarily tied together. Those stories not necessarily tied together, are they? I think what it is is that the the main tie is that there's some connection to Storm Shadow mm. in the issues. Um, there's definitely, uh, but that's like the mo- it's a, it's a fairly tenuous thread. Gotcha. And they're not doing anything from the movie. They're not tied into that, that that Snake Eyes movie, are they? Not from what I recall, but at the end of the day, I've never really watched that Snake Eyes oh, movie all the way through. Gotcha. Okay. Because as soon as I saw it pop up as a as a as a false false lead on a on a on a, <laughs> on a let's just say a, um, an illustrious on an alternate on an alternate well, I was going to say on an alternate me on on an alternate means of watching things. Yes. Gotcha. So. But uh, next up is Avengers Forever number three. So I just need a moment to get back to this. This book is written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Aaron Cooter, inks by Cam Smith and Scott Hanna, and colors by Guru EFX. So this is, I thought, an, an interesting approach to establishing this reality's Avengers. I thought that the, the, the choice of characters that Aaron puts in to this reality's Avengers was eclectic enough to be interesting. I don't know if, if you read this book, right? Cat? No, I didn't get a chance to. Okay. So when you do, if you do get a chance to read this, it's a pretty eclectic mix. You know, we're kind of used to seeing, uh, Avengers, uh, you know, and whenever we're dealing with the multiverse, you know, whenever uh, creators pick their variant lineups for variant, you know, for these for these team for these variant teams, you know, be they Avengers, X Men, New Mutants, etc. It's always interesting to see to see which characters they choose, and it was very much an interesting group of characters that Jason Aaron decided to to, to pick here. I'll say that at the end of the issue, it is it plays out. In very much um, uh, uh, um, a very much a, a, a suspenseful way, and the way and the way this story ends on a cliffhanger makes all the sense in the world. The suspense is fraught throughout, but uh, a logical, a very logical uh, development happens at the end of the issue. So I will leave it at that. Next up is Black Panther number four. I I would guess that you read this issue. I did not have a chance to scroll through your list. I actually did not. Okay, oh, so I will obviously tread very lightly. This book is written by John Ridley with art by 
Juan Cabal, and Ibrahim Mustafa. Colors are by Matt Miller. Letters are by VCs Joe Sabino. So there is... So we pick up at the at the beginning of this issue on Arako, right? Which is where the last issue kind of spanned, you know, the, the, the story of the last issue kind of spanned. But we quickly leave Arako and... Uh, Without spoiling too much, uh, there is there's a development in Wakanda involving Shuri that is revol- that 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 revolves around the storyline that is that has gone through the first three issues of this Ridley uh, scripted Black Panther volume, that being of a sleeper agents now seeming to maybe take shots at people who knew about the sleeper agent program that T'Challa had put into effect, right? And Shuri becomes involved, but we also have a little bit of a twist that is in the story involving uh, the sleeper agents themselves. And that is where this issue builds up to a minor cliffhanger at the end of the issue, but uh, the big the, the twist in the issue is, involves the sleeper agents. Next up is Daredevil Woman Without Fear number three of three. So this is the last issue of this Devil's Reign uh, mini series involving Elektra the. Uh, second Daredevil in the Marvel Universe. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Rafael De La Torre. Colors are by Federico Blee. And letters are by VC's Clayton Cowles. So this issue wraps up this kind of side quest, as it were, as the Devil's Reign story envelops all of these New York City-based characters. And Electra basically takes on a character from her past as well as a character uh, hired by this character. Uh, one Craven the Hunter is hired by this character from uh, Electra's past. And the issue leaves us with two, I want to say two, maybe even three cliffhangers. Because what's spoiled in this issue actually hasn't occurred yet in the Devil's Reign limited series. Probably due to production delays, possibly COVID-related, we don't know. Supply chain-related even, we don't know. But ultimately, that is one cliffhanger. It's something that actually is published in the pages of Devil's Reign number 5, which has not yet seen print, or at least uh, publication uh, for our review. The second thing is the second cliffhanger is a turn for Electra towards vengeance, a bloodthirstiness that she's been trying to shed as a result of her, uh, you know, uh, uh, foray into the Daredevil character. And the third cliffhanger which may result in this book becoming 
a sought-after collectible. We're not sure, but we get the appearance of the newly clad Frank Castle. The newly costumed Frank Castle. And if you've been following our show and, 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 and following some of the comic book news, you know that there uh, is a new development for Frank Castle. And it's definitely character-driven, and it's an interesting take on where they want to bring the character of the Punisher. So that actually is where this issue leaves off. So we actually have three cliffhangers, three story threads that are left to be picked up in other books. All right, next up is Moon Knight number nine, and I think Rodicat may have read this. Yep. All right, so in Moon Knight number nine, I'm going to scroll, scroll, scroll. All right, this book is written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Capuccio. Colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this issue starts a new story arc with Moon Knight and it's kind of a one and done. But it's an interesting one and done because Jed McKay here, this is my understanding as it's established here, delves deeper into the history of Doctor Strange and the occult and pulls out a character that Doctor Strange had dealt with many, many moons ago, pun intended. Oh, no. I don't go. Yeah. So this is a character that is proved that that proves to be made of use that's how i'll put it yes in the pages of moon knight in a very interesting way and it also shows that moon knight does not have to always be uh the glutton for punishment as it were doesn't necessarily have to be the character that solves everything with a crescent dart and a fist. But in this issue, actually kind of kills two birds with one stone. Yeah. In his own fashion. Yeah. In a very interesting way. Yep. And the cliffhanger at the end, the cliffhanger uh, page at the end of the issue sets up, uh, I don't know if this is a returning character or not. I did not have a chance to Google it, but I don't know if this is a returning villain for Moon Knight that they are teasing a return for. But that is apparently what is going to happen in the next issue. Yeah, I'm not sure either, actually, um, now that you mentioned that. But yeah, um, so one, here I'm thinking, like, Marvel doesn't have a character like this one DC character that I know about. Shout out to Danny the Street. Um... If, if if you DC folks know who the, who or what the hell Danny the Street is, congratulations. Uh, but apparently, this is not necessarily a similar type character. But I guess you could kind of make a, a slight parallel within some some semblance of it. But um, but yeah, yeah. And I guess they just gloss over the fact. Well, they did mention at the beginning that yeah, he's all marks out of jail because. The last issue we had the other dude, Hunter's Moon, and now right. Mark is back because of Devil's Reign. So do we do does Devil Reign say anything about what happened to the other dude, or is that just like they're just like and then I guess they'll hand it over here? Um I think all they ever do in Devil's Reign 
at least in the main miniseries, uh-huh. from what I recall, is that they, they show Mark Spector in jail. Right. So they don't show him getting out or Hunter's Moon? No, the, the, the last issue that we saw of Devil's Reign, I think there's a, the breakout had started. Uh, so, you know, they, they're, they're moving towards, the, the, they're moving towards the, the culmination of that series. Gotcha. Okay, and possibly due to, like you say, whatever being behind or whatever possible forces caused books to be shifted could have could have uh, delayed that. Gotcha. Mm. Okay, but yeah. outside of that, yeah, that's all I had to. I was curious about. Alrighty, next up for me is Strange Number One. I think Roddy Cap read this book also. I had not, but I was actually just skimming it. Oh, okay. Well, I won't spoil anything, but I will say that it was actually a pretty good read. So this this book is written by Jed McKay with pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, uh, inks by Don Ho, Tiny Bubbles with Roberto Poggi. Uh, colors are by uh, Java or Java Tartaglia with Felipe Sobrero. And letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. I had a pretty good time reading this. I can't I can't deny that I am not all that familiar with Clea. And spoiler alert, Clea has become the new Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, Eye of Agamotto or Agamotto and uh, Cloak of Levitation and all, and including the 177A Bleecker Street address. So this issue opens up with Dr. Doom making a play for the title of Sorcerer Supreme and Clea saying that she's the one that's got it, not uh, Nanny Nanny uh, Boo Boo to Dr. Doom. Uh, I did love, I did Wong, enjoy that part. Right. Wong remains ever the, uh, we're not going to call him a servant anymore. He's not the man servant, right. but he's definitely the, the second to, uh, the sorcerer supreme in this dimension. And, uh, Wong, uh, remains steadfast in his duties as being the second, to the Sorcerer Supreme, and as he and Clea go out for some uh, coffee because Wong is hungover, maybe he's out training the Abomination. I don't know if that's an MCU tie-in or not, but uh, at the end of the day, Wong is out carousing, and he needs some coffee to deal with his mystical hangover. And Clea is more than down to go out and get some because apparently this Dimension's coffee does not stack up to the Dark Dimension's coffee. She wants that Dark Dimension dark roast. Hmm. Ultimately, there is um, a foe that uh, Clea has to take on that uh, proves to be, um, uh, uh, you know, pr- proves to uh, proves to be, I think, uh, an effective setup for a future um, future set of villains or villain. Uh, once that foe is taken care of, there is a goal that is established in this issue. And the goal, uh, and I'm not going to spoil it for Roddy Cat because he is skimming this issue, but there's a goal, I think, for this miniseries. But apparently, that goal begets another character making a surprise return. It's not the character you think it is because, of course... We had this one character make a surprise return in the death of Doctor Strange. But no, it's another character at the end of the issue. I don't know if you've gotten to that point. No, not yet. So it's another character. It's a very big surprise. You're basically left with, uh, not with a who, but with a huh. You know, and now that makes me, I've got to write down that I've got to find a huh uh, sound effect. 
because I definitely was like, a, what the hell is going on here? So, you know, it was a very interesting ending to uh, a very interesting cliffhanger ending to this issue. Next up for me is, oh, last but not least, last but not least, finally, is X-Men number nine. Now this, this is some, there's some weird stuff going on in X-Men. So, first up, this issue is written by Jerry Duggan with art by C.F. Villa, who we know is a solid artist from his time on Black Cat. The colors are by Marte Gracia, and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. So there are a few things afoot in this issue, and uh, w- which serve to move several plots, uh, several plot threads forward. First, being um, what's been happening uh, over the course of the last several X Men issues uh, with Orcus and what they've been trying to uncover. If you have not been keeping up, Orcus uh, has gotten wind of the resurrection protocols and is trying to uh, destroy any public confidence that uh, the X-Men may be enjoying at this time. Meanwhile, Orcus is also looking to take advantage of what MODOK has been doing in the pages of X-Men recently. So uh, that uh, partnership seems to be in the in its infancy but is definitely developing uh we have unfortunately and i'm not a fan of this destiny character but you know at the end of the day they're looking to develop uh a lot of older once long fought dead characters in the pages of x-men into new and different versions because of the resurrection protocol so we get a little bit of um uh, 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 developments in terms of uh, destiny. We also have a nice little cameo from uh, Cosmo, the 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 space Cosmo cosmonaut dog, oh, which is okay. fun. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is it? Uh, no, no, no. I was just flipping. So I needed to get my ground uh, to get my bearings on this because uh, it was a nice unexpected cameo appearance for Cosmo because nowhere has been destroyed, if I'm not mistaken, in the Marvel Universe. And that's why Cosmo is at this new location, which is where uh, Destiny has been hanging out thanks to, you know, the, the instant teleportation of the Krakoan Gates and Rogue and Gambit kind of catch up with someone who is now considered to be Gambit's in-law. And, you know, that's, that's a big element of this particular uh, part of the story. Right. Gotcha. Right. And uh, we end up the, uh, the, the beginning of this issue and the end of this issue tied together with uh, a tease of uh, something that happened during 10 of swords coming back, to uh, coming back for the uh, Arakans, the, the the people on Araco, uh, aka Mars, possibly having to uh, saddle up and maybe rescue one of their fallen that occurred. You know, that, and and this uh, this casualty happened during Ten of Swords. So uh, that is how this issue ends. I don't remember all of Ten of Swords, so. 
I felt like this development didn't hit me the way it should have if I had been keeping up with Ten of Swords. But I thought that this overall was a pretty well-executed issue. This definitely pulled and pushed several storylines forward. Mm. And that's it for me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to actually reading this now that you mentioned it. Because I was like, one, one, I didn't... I'm thinking, like, wait, Gambit and this other character hasn't haven't... Um... And, and this in-law haven't um, interacted with each other since they've been married. So that's if it's what I'm thinking of. Well, remember, thing. remember, this character is only recently resurrected, only very recently resurrected. Oh, wait. So it's not who I'm thinking it's about. It's the right? other half. It's the other half. It's the resurrected half. Okay. Right. Think okay. about it. No, if we have one in-law that we know. Right, and I was thinking of that particular in-law exactly okay. exactly that's why i was just trying to lead you down that road right 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 because i was like well no that person's been around but they've just not have been i guess no interaction but anyway okay interesting i'm still looking forward to, 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 to checking this out um and two to go back to strange for a second they resurrect that that or they're bringing that person back now see now you get now you now you absolutely get where i was coming from right now you get it. I kind of got a kick out of that. And I'll tell you that uh, Strange number one, despite that, or maybe because of that, is actually a candidate for Click of the Week for me. Because I got a kick out of reading it. Obviously, you skimmed it. But I had a good time reading about Clea. And I'm sorry to backtrack to Strange, yeah, but uh, I had a good time reading about Clea in that issue. Right. Yeah. Like I said, the the, the the part that I read in the beginning, like I I enjoyed that, but then I was just kind of rushing through the the the, the rest of it because it was kind of what it was, and then it got to the last place. I'm like, really? <laughs> and also, secondly, outside of that, like when you mentioned Dark Dimension, Dark Rose, I immediately went to search and to see if there was a, such a thing actually. Mm. No such no such luck. However, there is a, a organic Wicked Wolf coffee uh, that is out there, and of course, like Double Dead. And still like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so sad. Oh, excuse me. Father of all dark roasts is also out there for you coffee coffee lovers. But I'm sitting here like, surely they would have a dark dimension dark roast out there somewhere. Surely, but sadly they do not. All right. Anyway, uh, let me get to my books. Scroll, 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 scroll. Magic number twelve. I was going to say something about Jed McKay because I guess I will use this time right now to mention that we enjoy we like Jed McKay's uh, writing around these parts he's a he's, he's doing good stuff yeah he's doing some real fun stuff um we may have some actual news about uh, some stuff he's doing in the news but anyway magic number 12 written by Jed McKay um uh illustrated by Jacques Salomon and that just reminded me of something from uh, um Picard but anyway uh, colors by Ariana Consani, Aladdin Kohler, or Kohler, uh, Valerio Aloro, Francesca Vivaldi, Luciana uh, Giamarino, and protobunkers Ferdinando C. Fuentes. There was a lot of hands on this book. And letters by Ed Dukeshire, uh, per use. So, basically, um, we got three uh, planeswalkers Stop me if you heard this one. Three planeswalkers go into a bar, sit down, have a little chit chat because they all have common goals. They, um, they, uh, basically, uh, 
with that common goal, decide to set out and uh, accomplish said goal. So they're all, all on a quest to do to um, to to do their separate things, but they're all aligned uh, in a certain way. They are going after a couple of other people who are. They're basically trying to find a way to get to Ravnica, which has been closed off thanks to a couple of uh, whatever happened a couple of issues ago that we still don't know necessarily uh, what is going on there. But they're trying to get to Ravnica so they can get to Kaya and one of them's got to try, try to kill one of the people that's involved that may or may not be involved with this. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of fun for everybody. So basically we have uh, three different uh, Planeswalkers as opposed to that last arc uh, going on the quest. Um, and at the end of this, they, they seem to have a lot more in common than you would think at the beginning, but you know, we're kind of, you know, we, we get against that. It's a fun book. Um, and at the end we get to see who I'm not familiar with the character that comes out, comes at the end, whether this is. Um, a big bad in a mechanical form or a an actual other character whose form that I'm not familiar in the Magic the Gathering parlance. I have played some of the game, but there are some things I, I, there's not a lot of stuff I don't know. Presumably, I'm going to presume that this is um, someone speaking through a clockwork or a dragon, which is a, which is a card in um in Magic the Gathering, or it, it could be something that I don't know. Like I said, who? Well, I guess we'll find out next. Uh, I'm sure someone more familiar with Magic lore will probably know who that is, or maybe possibly what that is that shows up at the end. Um, but there is that. Next book: Transformers Beast Wars. Uh, number thirteen. Ding. Uh, written by Eric Burnham, art by Winston Chan, uh, colors by Sid Vinblue, uh, letters Jake M. Wood. So, um, basically we have a, a Cheetor-centric story because there was a battle at the beginning, I guess there was some, and this is the kind of thing that that's probably would have happened uh, during Beast Wars um Beast Wars the the show. If so if you if you've um if you've watched the, the show Beast Wars, this is kind of a retelling or re I guess a kind of a reboot of a reboot reimagining of um of that story. It's not doesn't go the same way that uh, particular story did. There's definitely some new newer characters that never showed up in the show. Um and uh, a few other little wrinkles. So yeah, this is kind of a, re- uh, a reboot or reimagining of it. Regardless of the face, like the, regardless of it, this is a kind of a Cheeto centric thing. Um, there is a callback to a particular G one. I guess I don't know if he's G one or G two. Uh, a particular G one uh, Transformers character who Cheetor gets into a race with, with with a race with, but all of it is pretty much machinations of the alien Vok who. Um, who were pretty much trying to get the uh, the Cybertronians either off their planet or, you know, stop fighting for reasons. And I believe the Vok was that were the aliens that were kind of somewhere around that 
era of uh, Transformers. So there's that. Oh, do 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 do. Next book, Star Star Trek: Mirror War. Jordy. Okay. Um, let's see. Do 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 do. As I get the thing, bink bink bink. Well, I guess it says Captain LaForge, but regardless. So Star Trek: uh, Mirror War. Jordy. Uh, is written by Jay Hotham. Art by Carlos Rodriguez. Colors by DC Alonzo. And letters by Neil Uitake. So basically, this is a, um, I guess, a one and done, uh, centered around uh, Mirror Jordy LaForge. So there's been another. One. I think there was a um, uh, another one shot with um, uh, Data that uh, happened a while ago, and I think there's going to be another one with Ben the Mirror Ben Cisco that is also happening. So there's there's so during this whole Mirror War thing, they're kind of uh, doing it up a little bit with these one shots, but the crux of this is, uh, jordy has been captured. He's been interrogated for some reason, but it all is basically, uh, a, a, um, a plot device to, to get him to go back, uh, and we get some information on Jordy's backstory or excuse me, mirror Jordy's backstory. Never confuse the two. This is all set in the mirror universe. I shouldn't have to do that, but Hey, nevertheless, we will go. So we get a lot of, um, backstory into mirror Jordy. Uh, but it all pretty much is a test for some strange reason. Um, because the person behind it was not the person I thought who was behind it. Um, but it's, like I said, it was pretty much a means to, to get some backstory out of Mirror Jordy. Uh, and that is that. Uh, let's see. Next book. What if Miles Morales come, becomes um, Captain America? Where is it? Here we go. Bing. Man, these covers are really giving me the business tonight. All right. There we go. Um, written by Cody Ziegler, art by Paco Medina, uh, inks by Walden Wong, Victor Alazaba, Sean Parsons, color artist uh, Chris Sotomayor, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, as the name implies, it is a what if story. Um, so, instead of us, um, 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 Miles getting spider powers, he becomes Captain America. No thanks to his uncle Aaron who is pretty much in any uh, universe is up to no good. Um, there are some familiar beats along the way and some not so familiar beats along the way. I don't know if uh, Agent 70, you plan on reading this. But um, you're muted, I think. I was just looking uh, I was just looking at the book, actually. Probably not. But, you know, feel, feel free to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I you will. Let's put it this way: you will see this character again because of the the events of Miles Morales proper. So, and I believe it looks like they're going to do another one shot of uh, one of the others. Uh, I'm seeing not a uh, one shot, another what if of the other one of the other characters. Because even in this <laughs> book, you kind of see shades of like, hey, here's these other characters that this character ends up coming that uh, sees in a dimensional portal, because mm-hmm. you know. He there's his version this the its version of Red Skull, which is basically uh Tombstone, Gonkey's the Tinkerer, uh Sam Wilson is Nick Fury, uh, of course, uh 
um, Tiana Toombs, a.k.a. Starling, is Falcon, and yes, they are dating. So, you know, there's a familiar beast. His mom and dad still his mom and dad. Um, uh, and Uncle Aaron pretty much was the one responsible for Miles getting the, uh, un- not only getting the super soldier serum in a way, which I won't spoil that, but, you know, it doesn't, kind of doesn't matter because it happens. And something happens once again to uh, Uncle Aaron. And, of course, almost in true uh, Captain America fashion, comes back. And you'd be surprised. You won't be surprised at who he comes back as. Put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, there is that. But like I said, this all this is seemingly in service of kind of adding to that whole um, the what that Miles Morales uh, adventure that he's about to go on that we've seen the beginnings of last week. So, there is that. Uh, next book is Spider-Woman number 20. I gotta say this one, for at least for it saying nothing happens in this book, which is not entirely true, but is not entirely untrue. Um, this was a fun read. This this was it was, was kind of a fun read. Uh, Carla Pacheco is kind of having fun with this book, and I've en- been enjoying it. It's, it's a particular look of the week for me, I dare say. Um... But yes, writer Carla Pacheco, uh, art by Perry Perez, color artist Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Travis Lantum, Lan, Lanham. So we get to meet the um, the members of the anti-Iraq 9, with spelled Iraq in the number 9. But it seems like they're having a recruitment drive, which is kind of uh, amusing the whole way through. Um, and Let's just say it's a whole motley crew that tries to to um, to try out. There's even a little bit of if you know the Batman uh, the animated series story, um, uh, almost got him. There feels like a little bit of that in there. It doesn't necessarily go out go off the the same way, but I feel like there's a little bit of that energy in there in in one particular part. That was kind of fun. Not necessarily threw a rock at him, but kind of close. Um, and that was kind of, kind of fun, but regardless, like I said, the, the, the whole thing was, um, this whole recruitment drive we see, I think of that whole, of everybody, obviously there's some people that show up from, um, the, the past couple of volumes and they're involved in this, but there's a, there's a kind of amusing thing with a, a couple of sets of brothers uh, one newer and one very older from um, from from um, Spider Woman's let's call it Rogues Gallery that kind of show up to get uh, to try to get uh, into this group. So I was like, "Wow, damn, where have they been?" Because I don't think I've seen them in a good minute. But regardless, like I said, you just pretty much see this whole thing going off, and um, and at the end, well, and, and in, in in the meantime, um, Jess and Lindsay are basically setting up to go to Madripoor because of some thing that Lindsay did and some detective work that put could also be going on there because, you know, Jess used to be a detective. But at the end of the book, both of those things kind of come together, and I guess we'll see what happens uh, next issue with that whole thing. Although... I suppose, given who's in the apartment, uh, that the fight with all those people shouldn't last as long, but 
We'll see. Um, my last book, which I also kind of skimmed through. Boy, I wish I had read uh, Static Season 1, number 6, but I didn't get a chance to. That's sad. Um, and I don't have the original cover for this, but... Uh, Star Wars, number 21. So the cover you seeing that you're seeing right now is uh, is a variant cover, but uh, and, and not the main cover. But uh, it's written by Charles Soule, art by Marco Castillo and Ramon Rosanas, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this is picking up from a thread that you would think had been. Hadn't had been dealt with in in a minute. Let's just say because Shara Bay, who is uh, well, Poe Dameron's mother, um, was basically behind enemy lines. She got um, she basically got, not necessarily got shot down, but she got trapped on a star destroyer um, called the Tarkin's Will, and had been hiding out for probably months or so. I'm actually I'm not sure how long it's been because it's it's been a good minute since they've even mentioned. Um, like well before the whole Crimson Rain thing, but she had been hiding out and um, basically sabotaging stuff and doing a good job and trying to fend for herself while she's been on here. But the Empire pretty much uh, got caught, finally caught wind of her after all of this time. And um, at the end, one particular uh, Imperial soldier kind of, um, um, uh, let's just say caught up with, with Shara and, and, um, yeah, something, something, um, something's going to happen with that. I assume. Uh, but meanwhile, it sounds like, uh, the, the, um, the, um, the resistance is trying to mount a rescue, finally trying to mount a rescue of her, uh, some kind of way. Will it be too late? We don't know. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and that is my books of the week. So now we can go to clicks of the week. week, week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we actually got one from one of our uh, co-hosts. Uh, Tim said he's going to go with X-Men number nine. So cool. I get that. I get that. I do. You know, like, uh, you know, that whole middle section dealing with uh, Rogue Gambit and their and Gambit's new in-law, you know, it was was interesting. But, you know, it was also nice that uh, several storylines, as I said earlier, were were, uh, uh, carried forward. Hey, wait, I just thought about something. Um, Technically, he has two in-laws. Well, I guess three because of this. I don't know. Unless that's the one you're, you're you're talking about I have to read it for myself because I just thought about somebody else that that whole family history thing is weird yeah yeah that one is definitely weird yeah they've done a lot with Mystique over the years yeah so. yeah all right uh do you have yours in mind because I have a couple of candidates and I... you know as I was mentioning I think I don't know was this on the show or was it just before we started recording where we talk, where I was talking about art you, that was before the show. 
So I just wanted to, to to reiterate something that I was talking about before the show. I felt like this week's books, and I don't know if it's because of February being only, you know, three weeks or four weeks, or if this ends up being like a fifth week, you know, release here in March. But I felt like there were several books that had weaker showings on art than I than I had been used to. You know, there are a couple of books here that are that were consistent like that she hulk that she hulk book is consistent because it's only the second issue and i think the art team is going to stay in place at least for the the first several uh issues the the moon knight is consistent uh alessandro cappuccio has been on that book for a little while now um but i felt like there were some really tough showings in terms of the art that i saw in the books that i read and reviewed this week but i think Uh, A pleasant surprise, pleasant, pleasant surprise for me, Uh, even though the art was a little hit and miss at at times, was Strange Number One. And I think I'm going to go with Strange Number One as my click of the week this week because it, you know, I had no expectations coming into this issue and I was definitely pleasantly surprised and also had the, you know, huh? reaction at the end of the book that we were talking about before so uh i i'm gonna go with strange number one as my pick uh click of the week uh this week okay i feel like i want to reread that whole thing i'm i'm pretty sure it's not gonna change the the um you know the the reaction for that because i don't even know if anything prior to that happening suggested anything like Mm -hmm. that was going to happen but i do know because of uh, what what Clay is trying to do, something was going to happen. Didn't expect that. Uh, put it that way. So for myself, though, um, hmm, no, that she hope book was alright. Eh, well, no, no, no. no. Uh, Magic number twelve was fun. Fantastic Four, from what I read, was alright. Uh, Spider Woman number twenty definitely was a, a was a fun one for me. Um, and I'm. Th- thinking that one i'm probably just gonna go ahead and do that one like that from i like the the first page of the book was like no absolutely nothing's going to happen not no non-action this and that and the other and partially that's true but some things happened which was kind of in the what did happen in the book was kind of um was kind of amusing. I would probably also give it to strange number one because um if if i actually read it in full even though I did, like I said, I read the first part and I very much enjoyed um, the um, the uh, the conversation between, or the quote unquote, the conversation between Clea and and Victor Von Doom was it was pretty interesting and in how that whole thing went down. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'll have to um, sure. deal with that later. There's a couple other books I, I was I was hoping I was going to get around to reading, but I didn't, and I won't go through them right now. But yeah, there's definitely some some stuff that I wish I had gotten around to reading this week. Nevertheless, right. so, what's that? I mean, what I was going to say is, and I and and I think I said it, but I'll just reiterate it here. I rather enjoyed learning about Clea's character. Right in this issue, and this is obviously one of the only times that she's had a chance to have the spotlight to herself. So, right. I thought that it, I thought McKay did a very good job of laying out uh, why we should care about Clea as the new Sorcerer Supreme. Right, because I totally forgot, or very much probably didn't even know the 
I guess, part of her history with Stephen, because I know they were romantically linked. I wasn't sure how far how far that went to, and uh, and even when that's when it came up in this book, I was like, wait, when did that happen? Right. But she's been around for right. so long. Like she's been around since Ditko right. on Doctor Strange. So, you know, from the foundation of the character, really. Right. Right. And probably not too long left when they were, you know, when they were tied or that closely tied. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize they were like, I, said, I didn't realize that that was the case, but then I kind of can see how that could have happened. Um, but I didn't know they were, you know, like I said, that was their relationship. So interesting. Like I said, I'm gonna go back and reread that though. So, um, cause I am very curious as to how they're going to get from point A to point Z where we, <laughs> or <laughs> at the end of this, it looks like there was already at point Z, but we're not going to even talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, now we're going to go to the news section, but first an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into... The news. And we start off as we do every week with the cinematic news. First up, the Arrowverse's first comic accurate Joker, I don't, okay, sure, uh, arrives in behind the scenes Batwoman photos. So, yeah, apparently, um,. So there was an Instagram post by one of the actors uh, in Batwoman. Oh, I guess is is it is the person who's playing the Joker. Um, it looks like a Caesar, a kind of an offshoot of a Caesar Romero uh, Joker. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I mean, face shield notwithstanding. Oh, actually, Kendrick. Uh, yeah, see, this Kendrick Jackson, I guess, is the kid. If you're watching the video version and not the adult, so never mind. Um, but still, an actor in um in the Batwoman show. So yeah, if you're watching the video version, you can see the Instagram post uh for yourself. So cool. Next up. I mean, that's an interesting, fairly comic-accurate portrayal. Yeah. 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 True that. All right. Next up, in a development that falls under the category of, well, of course they're going to do this. The Batman tickets are going to cost more, thanks to AMC's new experiment, at least at AMC theaters. So... Uh, the Batman is arriving to theaters tonight. As of the as of the time of this recording, we did not go into movie protocol for it, probably because we're 
uh, still kind of gun shy when it comes to DC EU movies, but from uh, first returns, this movie seems to be uh, getting positive reviews. So hopefully by next week, we'll have a chance to watch it. Yeah. But if you're an AMC customer here in the United States, your ticket may be a little more expensive than usual. Deadline reports that AMC is trying something new to them with their pricing, which will make the Batman tickets more expensive than other films. So this is obviously a money-making opportunity. This is definitely something that is not new when it comes to entertainment dollars. I'll give you a reference. Uh, baseball, basketball, football all have these, um, actually more so baseball than most, uh, because there's only uh, 17, oh God, I can't believe there's 17 football games now. There used to be 16, but uh, but bottom line is, at least in baseball, if we ever get baseball back, because they're all locked out, that's another thing. That's a whole other story for another podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But in baseball, when there is a primetime matchup, Coming into the home stadium, the home team will generally charge more for tickets because they know that those are the seats, those are the tickets, those are the games that people want to uh, want to see, want to be live for. They want to be in attendance for, so they will charge more. The example that I, I can think of right off the top of the dome are uh, you know Mets tickets for when the Yankees come in to play the Subway Series. Those are more expensive than when the Mets are hosting the Colorado Rockies in a, you know, in a regular old National League matchup. So uh, AMC is not uh, coming up with a new strategy here in the entertainment dollar sphere. This is something that has been going on. But given the, 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 the wide disparity between uh, comic book adaptation movies and the other movies that seem to uh, not necessarily garner as much attention, it's no surprise that uh, movie theater chains are going to try to make as much money off of these uh, cash cows as possible. But I feel like, okay, even with that whole analogy that you use, I don't see anything that you're getting out in anything extra that you're getting out of it. And I guess that's the point for them because you, I mean, uh, but... Like, I can see if they did this and it was like, well, here, we'll, you know, take a dollar off of uh, concessions or something, which I know we're not going to do that, but that's just an example of that just came across. Like, I figured you were getting something else out of it. Outside of it was like, hey, you get to pay a, a whole dollar more to see this movie that you, we know you want to see. Like, outside of that, I'm like, that's not really worth it to me, but I know there's going to be people that's going to do it. It's just a bottom line. It's a bottom line issue, I think. They right. just need that extra dollar or two. Well, one. Probably I don't know about need, but yes, I get that. Well, no, when I say need, they need to, you know, either come up with a come up with a money to fulfill some sort of bill they need to pay, or 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 deal with shareholders. So that's what I that that's what that's what I that's what I mean. But ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It's literally the bottom line in this case. You'd yeah. think that they would be making more money off of concessions, but which is what I, was I think thinking. people are no, but but the the follow up point to that is I think people, even with COVID restrictions being lifted in lots of places, probably too early in my opinion, but with even with that happening, I think there are still some people who are maybe a little bit more leery about eating in 
the theater right now. So That's they're looking true. to uh, pick up uh, anything, any extra dollars they can on their bottom line. And so this seems to be the easiest way for them to do it. Sure. Like, yeah, for that respect, I do get it. I'm like, that's, mm, but that's me. I'm, you know, one frugal and two, not really going too many places anyway. Like I get it on their end, but it still doesn't, it still doesn't truck (laughs) consumer wise. Um, anyway, so that's the thing. If you've been out, you know, if you've in chances are you probably won't even notice like it's a dollar or maybe you will i don't know i'm pretty sure if people really want to go to the movies they don't care they're less discriminating because they just want to get out of the house so and they're probably not going to care as much you know what i would say before we move on to to, to the next story you got i would say that because people are uh people may not notice as much when they are literally clicking a button on an app to order Yes. If you're going into if you're going into the uh, the box office and they're showing you the number and you have to, you know, slide your card over, or pull out a few bucks out of your pocket, that's I think when you'll notice it more. Uh, maybe you'll have a little sticker shock when you're hitting the button to confirm the purchase on your app, but you know that's the only time you're going to think about it. I think that's the only time it might even cross your mind that it's more expensive. I feel like you have more faith in people in that respect than I do. <laughs> but yeah, sure. There's that. That's a that is a possibility though. Uh, that is definitely a possibility. I mean, and some people probably even in, let's be honest, let's be honest, some people might even see it in the app, like you said. So, um, probably less than what you would think in either respect, but you know, sure. There are definitely going to be people. What do you mean? Huh? What do you mean? Well, like you mean you they'll, said, they'll see the, 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 the difference in price. Well, like you said, you said they would probably see it a little bit more going to the box office. I I am not that confident in people, that many people caring about it. That yes, there will be some of those people who definitely will probably see it and, and care. Yeah, but I just I just think of as... I, I just think of where you see ticket uh, where, where you see where you would experience sticker shock. Right. So you know when you see it pop up on the on the little display showing how much you're paying, that's you know like seeing it you know, like kind of flash in front of your face. It's, 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 a, it's, it's one thing, you know, when you see it on your phone, you're so kind of dead set on clicking purchase. It's another thing. So uh, that's just my, that's yeah. been my experience when it comes to buying things digitally and di- buying things uh, through apps. It's kind of like, well, you know, I've got to do it. So you just click, you know, hello, Apple pay click, you know? Yeah, so I, know. I, I mean, even going through the app, I know I've, I've done it and be like, wow, these tickets are high as fuck. What is going on here? But, and that's just me though. Again, that is a, that is, that is a totally right. me thing. So <laughs> anyway, um, Batgirl, wait, why did I not do? Oh yeah, that's right. Cause this is different. Uh, Batgirl set photos reveal best look at Brenda Frazier's, uh, Firefly costume. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, yeah, here you go. Uh, I am not fami- that familiar with the character of Firefly. I think I remember seeing a version in Gotham, who was a gender swap version, and I guess the original was a was a dude. I don't remember. You don't remember from the animated series? That's the only reference oh, I have. Yeah, sure, but okay, yeah, but I, I wasn't thinking that 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 far. Um, but yes, you're right. That was that was also the case. Um, but yeah, Brendan Fraser is playing Firefly. As you, if you're watching the the video version. You can see yeah. uh, set pictures from the from, of his costume, and sure. I mean, pr- prior to prior to uh, Batman the Animated Series, my only uh, my only uh, reference point for a character named Firefly was from GI Joe. 
you know, the the, the saboteur yes. from Cobra. Yes. So uh, that's my only reference, you know, not, you know, I'm not a, a big Batman comic book reader, right. so I had never Same. really had any experience with the character Firefly in the comics. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm not surprised that, uh, uh, Brendan Fraser was cast as Firefly. It's a dude, it's kind of a heavier, you know, kind of a, but then again, that, that's the, uh, the animated series style where all the dudes were really big shouldered and barrel chested right. <laughs> and also, Brendan Fraser, from what I recall right now is a little on the heavier side. So he is, but he's also, I've, I guess, well, he's playing do two DC characters. Then that's been the case. Cause I think he's still in doom patrol, uh, playing, uh, as the man. voice. Yeah, yeah. As the voice of robot man. Right. So, um, yeah, there's that, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know this this whole Batgirl thing. I, I'm reading the thing and I totally forgot about this. It's being directed by Bad Boys for Life, um, Bad Boy for Life's Bilal and Falah and uh, Adil El Arbi. Um, that doesn't really give me a whole lot of uh, confidence. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna lie to you. Because um, Bad Boys for Life was not great. No, not good at all. Not good. Not so, good. I mean, this. This project falls definitely under the, you know, the 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 the, the caring very very little category for me. Mm. You know, granted it's on HBO Max, so what I'll have that? a little bit easier time watching it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not something that's very high on my uh, my list of priorities. So, right. you know, you know, whatever comes of it, uh, you know, we'll see what comes of it. Maybe, maybe it'll be better than we think. Right. And the script is being written by apparently Christina Hodson, who did that Birds of Prey movie, which that wasn't that wasn't too bad. Um, I still haven't watched that, so. Oh, really? Yeah. And the upcoming Flash movie, which uh, I don't know. <laughs> so this one's still kind of on, on the seesaw. Anyway, next up. Next up, so uh, Sony Pictures revealed the various pieces of cover art that will accompany the Spider-Man No Way Home physical release on 4K, Ultra HD, and Blu-ray. So um, the the releases have been available through various retailers for pre-order for some time. Uh, you know, Best Buy and Target already revealed the official cover for their respective exclusive versions, but now we have the basic, basic uh, versions that you can uh, that you can purchase. And we're, I know a lot of us are probably going to shy away from the physical release, but I won't. I'm definitely going to get mine because, Same. although I'm a little behind on picking up my physical versions of um, Widow and uh, Eternals. It's just been a while. Uh, I just haven't really thought about going to uh, to purchase them, but I definitely have them on my list to get. So I think uh, No Way Home may push me into uh, catching up on those purchases. I don't but uh, Roddy Cat, either. I think, is scrolling through mm-hmm. uh, the images and showing us the various cover, the various uh, disc covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm on the uh, Best Buy Steelbook one uh, right now. Yeah, I just, I think I just ordered mine from Amazon. So, um, I mean, I can still cancel it. That's not, but not, I don't see anything here that's going to be like, oh yeah, hey, this is a, this is one to get. Right. This is the cover I prefer, you know, right. absolutely. None of this, none of this jumps out as the variant I want to have. Right. <laughs> so, there is that. Um, but yeah, but hey, there you go. There you go. There's, that's, that stuff is out there. If you are one of those people who were 
who are s- still buying physical copies of movies, one, and two, want uh, like specific uh, exclusives. So. Next up. Um, oops. Come on. Stop. Please stop. There we go. Uh, Craven Hunter cast West Side Stories Ariana DeBose as Calypso. So, yeah. Um, Kick-Ass is playing um, 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 Craven Hunter. Because, you know, can't get enough of that uh, superhero work, I guess. Or villain, in this case, I guess. Uh, let's see. And other people, but basically this is the latest cast, uh, uh, cast, uh, uh, casting call. Uh, I don't know too much about this character, but it, it says here that Calypso is a voodoo priestess, um, who was a Spider-Man villain and a lover to Craven. So, Sure. Okay, cool. Next. Next up, Michael Chiklis, who played Ben Grimm, a.k.a. Ma Grimm's ever-loving blue-eyed son, The Thing, in 2005's Fantastic Four, has shared some advice for the MCU's proposed iteration of the classic superhero team. Bottom line is, he says that... uh, in an interview with Screen Rant, discussing his upcoming HBO series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, which premieres in a few days on March 6th, he says, uh, he jokingly suggested that whichever actor is chosen should try to go CGI if they could. Chickless is, of course, referring to the fact that his stint as the thing was done through makeup and costuming rather than computer-generated effects. Um... Let's see here. Uh, He says, just understand the real tone and tenor of the Fantastic Four is as they did it. It's not meant to be dark and brooding. It's never going to be the Dark Knight. Don't try to make it that. Don't expect it to be that. The ever-loving blue-eyed thing was from Brooklyn, and he was a Dodgers fan. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, but the last part aside, I agreed up until the last part. Well, I don't think he was even from Brooklyn. He was from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. That that was my understanding. Mm-hmm. Because he's literally Jack Kirby. Right. You know, Lower East Side of Manhattan. That's, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, at the end of the day, uh, he, he's right in that. He says that there were a sweet family with a lot of problems. And that's, the, he I added the lot of problems part. And that's the way it's meant to be. Right. It wasn't meant to be hardcore and dark and brooding. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that, you know. So, yep. Yeah. And by the and, and by the way, I'm pretty sure they would not do the thing in makeup and costuming anymore, given how no. they did um, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Right. And yeah. And um, and She Hulk is was about to happen. Is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Thanos. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's the case either. So. You know, hey, the commission had some had some thoughts. Next up, Mister Knight suits up on a new Disney Plus Moon Knight poster. So yeah, we I, I think we did already get some inkling that Mister Knight was going to show up in this Moon Knight thing. Uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the uh, the 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 tweet of the poster uh, with the Mister Knight costume uh, therein, and March thirtieth. Is coming soon, so yes, that was the other reason why I put this in here because we will definitely be talking about uh, that particular show 
when it drops. Uh, there you go. There's a bigger um, image of uh, the poster. Next up. So in some popular news that dropped this week, Daredevil Jessica Jones and Luke Cage have been confirmed to be coming to Disney Plus UK and the United States. And it's going to come with, and, you know, and, and that also includes the Punisher, Defenders, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, mm-hmm. will be available to stream on the service from March 16th. And it's going to come with uh, a new set of parental controls in the U.S. to keep age-gated content uh, away from the prying eyes of youngsters. So that's going to be an update to your app. I w- that's going to be funny to see who actually uses that. Man, I don't know too many parents, but um, if at all. Um, but yeah, so I guess this is kind of a not surprise. It's kind of a surprise, but not surprise because like we had talked about this the last couple of weeks, and Agent Seventy said to like, yeah, this is pretty much how this was going to go. I kind of hope this was going to be the case because this was probably the best case scenario for this, as opposed to them like say putting it on Hulu or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very least, Agents of Shield was definitely we should have gone to to Disney Plus, even if that did happen. So, like I said, it worked out. So now, right. And the key part here is that they're putting in a mechanism for parental controls. Right. That's really the thing that we didn't expect, and it's just a simple. It's a simple uh, software update. Right. Really, that uh, the Disney Plus app is going to require everyone to do before they start streaming the Netflix Marvel stuff. Right. So, you know, that's the that's the part that we didn't necessarily think they would even try to do, because I think what we imagined was that they were going to keep Disney Plus as a platform for age, um, age neutral and family friendly content. Right. I mean, even but, though, yes, we've had, like, X-Men and stuff on there, and, and granted, even that stuff is still kind of, I don't want to use the word sanitized, because it's not necessarily the case, but... It's PG-13. Like, a lot of this stuff is a little bit closer to, like, a R. Right. You know, in terms of the violence level. Right. So, there you go. So, now you won't need your, um, your, your VPNs, your Vs and your Ps and your Ns, unless you're in a place that doesn't get Disney Plus and don't get, won't have these shows on them. Right, and you need to access your U.S. or U.K. Uh, s- subscription. Yes, indeed. Oh, and also it says, also shows are also coming to Ireland, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So those are other places where you'll be able to get it. So, yeah. So, cool. Um, that way, now I don't necessarily have to sit and do a mad dash. Well, actually, I hadn't because they're already off of Netflix at this point because it's after the first. So, but right, uh, so I can go back to ignoring them. Yes, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I actually still, I actually still want to. I hope they actually put them in timeline order, also, because I remember where I left off, and it was probably right in the middle of Defenders. Um, and it would do me a solid if they did kind of one of those timeline things where they like they've done with the 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 MCU and whatnot. So, just in case I do actually want to go back and uh, watch them, then I just right. can watch them in order. I mean, I, I my my current preference is to rewatch uh, select episodes of Haikyuu. So, you know, when I need to pick me up, I'll I'll jump on on Haikyuu and 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 preview my future subscription to Crunchyroll. Yes, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Star. Oh wait, no, it's just you. Sorry. No wait, yeah, you did that. One. No, no, I just yeah, had the DD one. Yeah, I know. Uh, Star Wars Savior, quote unquote, 
And the famous Hollywood producer Alan Ladd Jr. dies at 84. So the Hollywood producer in studio, for some strange reason, I was thinking of a, there was an actor I want to say is the same name or something. Cheryl Ladd? No. I wasn't Cheryl Ladd was a Charlie's Angel. Yes, I know. But no, I feel like there was a, like a, I'm the person I'm thinking of played a cop on some show, and I, and I don't know. I don't think this is this per, same person, and it might not even be Adeline Ladd or something. Anyway, so the Hollywood producer and studio executive known as being the savior of Star Wars has died at age four. Ladd earned the moniker Savior of Star Wars when uh, appealed to 25th Century Fox President Gordon. Uh, I was about to say Schlumberg, but that's not right. Uh, Stolberg. Uh, to make George Lucas the Star Wars, and then uh, intervened in 20th Century Fox's attempt to shut down production of New Hope. Uh, Lad's Faith was rewarded with the massive uh, breakout success of Star Wars, which helped cement him uh, forever as a Hollywood legend. Um, news of Lad's death was confirmed by a social media page for Laddie, the Man Behind the Movies, a documentary about uh, Lad's work behind the scenes of, of Hollywood. And then it kind of goes into, uh, the, I guess, the tweet about that. Apparently, uh, Star Wars was not his only credit, but that's the one that's kind of front and center in this uh, in this article. Because apparently he um, had some dealings with Police Academy and Braveheart and the Brady Bunch movie take, and Gone Girl. Gone Baby Gone, rather. Excuse me. Uh, oh, The Phantom. There's another superhero movie. And there you go. That, that was a thing. So, anyway. Next up. Shout out to Cheryl Ladd, who I just Googled. Anyway, uh, the Sixth Gun TV series adaptation is in development. The Sixth Gun comic book series is getting television adaptation, according to Variety. Selwyn Seifu Hines is adapting the series as part of an overall deal with Universal Studio Group's Universal Content Productions. Uh, Eric Gitter and Katie Zucker of Mad Massive will executive produce the project with Hines. Hines is currently the showrunner for Hulu's Washington Black, with other TV credits including Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone and HBO Max's Strange Adventures. This is based on the Oni Press comic by Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. And... uh, I don't know if I'm going to read this in a uh, whole uh, description, but apparently it's about uh, uh, guns that were uh, that had otherworldly power that were buried, uh, unearthed by uh, uh, evil men. But there's a sixth gun. Uh, you know, there were five five guns were un, un, unearthed by these bad people. But the sixth gun, the most dangerous of the weapons, vanished until someone named Becky Moncrief unknowingly grabs that very weapon from her dead father. In a desperate attempt at self-defense, and that go and that moves the story forward. For some strange reason, I was thinking about the um, the, the song "Many Men" by that one person, and coincidentally, a story about that person happened to come up uh, on the side. So that's kind of funny. Next up, though, I believe... Nope, this is not. Okay, Futurama... Hey, John Demagos, uh is back playing Bender and, uh, and Futurama because I guess he must have gotten his money. <laughs> um, according to Hollywood Reporter, DiMaggio will return as the voice of Bender uh, along with everybody else. And, yeah, there's that. Next. We get yeah, I'm just scrolling. Again, shout out to uh, Cheryl Ladd. Um... <laughs> Yes, she was, she was, uh, yes. 
All right, so we are officially in the anime corner of the uh, cinematic news. So we are going to pull up an appropriate sound effect. I hope you guys are keeping up with Attack on Titan. Uh, the theatrical experience of the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie is less than a month away here in the States, so now is your time to get tickets for the big premiere. Tickets for the highly anticipated film go on sale in the United States and the United Kingdom uh, recently, and ticket purchases opened up in Canada on March 1st. Um, and I guess uh, English dub cast has also been announced. Yeah, and that means nothing to me because I never watch with an English dub. I can't say never, but more likely than not, watching in subs. Indeed, indeed, because you are a right and proper person. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, but yeah, so I'm. I saw that uh, there is a trailer attached to this. Uh, looks like um, uh, Gojo is uh, rightfully. Uh, all around this thing, but uh, to what extent? We guess we'll see. Because this is basically, if you folks don't know for some strange reason, this is before the events of uh, uh, the show, as the name would describe. As to uh, go, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, Lupin the Third Part Five heads to High Dive for English dubs uh, streaming premiere. Uh, so the English dub of Lupin the Third, and I keep wanting to say Lupin the Third. Because that was a thing. Um, see, Lupin the Third Part Five: Misadventures in France. Uh, it's coming to High Dive, a service I've never, um, never dealt with. Nevertheless, uh, according to Sentai Filmworks' streaming service, all twenty-four episodes of the sixth anime of the adaptations of Monkey Punch's classic manga series will be available to watch in the United States, Latin America, and Canada. Well, guess what? Already starting because it started uh, March 1st. Uh, the English dubbed and subtitled version of Lupin the Third Part 5 OVA will be released, excuse me, as well. So if you are a Lupin the Third fan, there you go. Um, which is also going to remind me because that, that whole live action Lupin uh, thing, there was a, apparently a heist on set of that um, as they were filming the, that live action Lupin thing they're doing. Really? Netflix. Yeah, I saw, saw that recently. I'm like, huh. Interesting. I never did finish that, but it seemed like, all right. And not necessarily like the anime, but still. Next up. Next up, Attack on Titan director's next anime, Bubble, drops a new trailer. So, um, this is from Netflix. The new trailer uh, is... Uh, is uh, for an anime film from an all-star staff that includes Attack on Titan's original director and Madoka Magica's co-creator. Um, the new trailer shows off more of the anime movie's gorgeous animation and is set to the song A Bubble featuring Yuta by, or Uta by Japanese singer-songwriter Eve, who previously performed Jujutsu Kaisen's original theme song. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of the end, not the beginning, not the, not the, the, the opening. So never mind. Um, Full Metal Alchemist reveals first trailer for new live action movies. Um, 
So yeah, the two new films entitled The Vengeance of Scar and The Last Transmutation were unveiled with a trailer that was re- released by Warner Brothers Japan. Uh, the trailer features the two Elric brothers doing battle with the anti-state alchemist serial killer Scar and also shows off the first look at the live-action versions of certain characters, including uh, Fuhrer King Bradley, uh, Ling Yao, Lan Fan, Oliver Mira Armstrong, and the brothers' long-missing father, Van Hohenheim. Uh, the first of the new t- titles is scheduled to be released in Japan on May 20th, while the second will premiere on June 24th. An international release for both movies has yet to be uh, announced. Uh, good luck with that. Next, so some of the some of the some of the uh, not Netflix made ones are for certain live action uh, animes. All right, a lot of them are not great. Anyway, mm-hmm. from what I understand, I haven't seen a whole lot of them. So, next up, all right. Next up, uh, last but not least in the cinematic news, uh, Funimation has now become part of Crunchyroll to create an anime super service. This is not unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's actually what we were kind of all expecting when we heard the news of the merger. Um, the only thing that was a little bit different was that Funimation comes in as the technical buyer, not the buy right? Being the, being, the, being the property of Sony Pictures, which bought Crunchyroll. Right. But uh, uh, Funimation is now becoming uh, part of Crunchyroll, being a, becoming a subsidiary under the Crunchyroll banner. So more than 1,600 hours of anime has been added to Crunchyroll at no extra cost following the merger between the two that completed in August of 2021. So 80% of what Funimation calls its most popular series will be available on Crunchyroll by the end of March, including My Hero, Tokyo Ghoul, Cowboy Bebop, and more. A lot of this stuff was already on uh, Crunchyroll, but maybe they're referring to the dubs because Funimation seemingly had a lot of dubs in their library that they could now port over to um, English and other dubs uh, that they could now port over to Crunchyroll. So there is a full list of Funimation shows on Crunchyroll that is available on Crunchyroll and Funimation will continue to operate as normal for the time being, but the move makes clear that Crunchyroll is, is going to be the main platform going forward. Any new anime starting in spring of 2022 will only be available on Crunchyroll. Funimation will only continue to update series already hosted on the service. So, um, oh, the move also brings Funimation subsidiary Wakanim and Crunchyroll's VRV into the core Crunchyroll subscription. So, uh, any uh, subscribers to Wakanim, uh, VRV, and Funimation uh, probably have probably have since received uh, an email. I did finally get the email. I got it on the second, not yeah, on the first, too. but on the second. Mm-hmm. So I did see an email about it, and uh, as I as I jokingly told Rodicat, it's no surprise that uh, they folded everything under. Crunchyroll because Crunchyroll costs literally two dollars more per month than Funimation. Right, and not only yeah, there is that, and like I've said, and like I've said on the show before, like Crunchyroll is pretty much the more known brand. So I feel like going if they had folded Crunchyroll into Funimation, that would have been a kind of a misstep. And I know people are thinking it's like, well, now that this this is going down, you know, obviously prices are going to go up, and this is going to be almost not necessarily a monopoly, but kind of, uh, kills the feel of anime streaming services. Uh, not kills, but kind of, 
I guess. Yeah, it reduces competition. That's right. really all it is. Exactly. It reduces competition. There's one main service that everyone's going to be uh, pr- uh, basically uh, uh, have to be forced to become a customer of because there's only so much anime on Hulu and Netflix and HBO Max. And YouTube, apparently, because uh, um, apparently there's a movement there for, for uh, I guess, um, that, that some stuff is going on over by creators. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know too much about that. So, yeah, there's the, like I said, I don't have that big of a problem with it because I've been a, a Crunchyroll sub, uh, uh, subscriber for a good minute. Uh, and there's all, I will say that there's already been stuff moved over. So, and going back to what you were saying, so... I guess some of that is a play, but also like they had taken stuff like Yu 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 Hakusho off of the service, and that and a couple of other things is now back on the service. As of because I was uh, I think it was like the first or second like before I told you or before I uh, sent you that article or this article, mm-hmm. like I had noticed there was some stuff that it was on there that wasn't on there previously, right? That they had already so- taken off. Right, so I don't. Did you say that you were also a subscriber to Funimation or just yes. Crunchyroll? Yeah, both. So you so you got the email, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a year. We have a year until March first of twenty twenty three to uh, take advantage of um, the, the, the 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 free, I guess, two months of Crunchyroll as a as a as an incentive. And I found that interesting because. Um, I wonder what will happen to Funimation after that. Will they just close, you know, close shop at that point? I guess at that point, that's when they'll finally move over everything, right. because, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's, it's not the the strongest reason to have jumped onto Funimation first, um, but it was my reason, and that was because Dragon Ball Z was on Funimation and it was not on Crunchyroll, and I had, I fully intended to binge all of Dragon Ball Z. And I think Z so, was one of the ones they took off like a while ago. Off Crunchyroll. Yeah. Uh, right, because they, they actually made a point of saying that Funimation was the exclusive place of right. all of Dragon Ball. Right. So it's interesting that Dragon Ball Z is not on the list of things that are moving over to Crunchyroll. But I expect, I fully expect that's not going to be the case uh, uh, as the uh, the process kind of winds down. I think right. everything is going to be moved over to Crunchyroll eventually, at least the the, the big titles. Right. Like I, I was about to say, it wouldn't make any sense because Super is still on uh, has has and still been on Crunchyroll, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like Z or probably GT, you know, right, wouldn't be on there or something, you know. GT exactly. Probably, My understanding cares. is that GT is on Crunchyroll, but Z being the, you know, like the really big piece. And I think uh, the OG Dragon Ball was also not on Crunchyroll, but I could be mistaken. But no, I could tell you that it. you muted. You muted. Oh, was it? Oh, no, no. You were just, uh, oh, maybe you were just uh, uh, miming. I thought you were saying something and I didn't hear anything. No, go ahead. But uh, but my understanding is that definitely Z. I'm not sure about OG Dragon Ball was not on Crunchyroll, but definitely Z was not on Crunchyroll when I was uh, binging it like what a year ago now, a year and a half ago. So I can safely say that yeah, OG wasn't on there either. Right. So that's why I was. That's why I jumped into Funimation and right. kept it because uh, all of the stuff I needed to catch up on was uh, on it. Was on the service like. Uh, uh, like Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, etc. Actually, I'm pretty sure GT was not on there also. 
I'm almost certain. Uh, on Crunchyroll? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like like I said, I'm pretty sure Super was the only one on right. there. But I don't. But having not watched GT, I couldn't confirm. Right. Yeah. Because I was. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen GT on there ever, if any, if if, if at all. So um, yeah, there is there is that. All right. So uh, I'm gonna wait a little while before I jump over full time to Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's and and like I said, if you look on the list of. Uh, uh, of anime that's jumping over the My Hero Academia seasons that are jumping over the dubs because the subs are definitely on Crunchyroll. Hmm. So maybe the Funimation dubs are 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 uh, going to be uh, what's what's uh, posted. You know, the option for the dubs is going to be posted on Crunchyroll now. Yeah, I will have to see because I know there's. I, I was looking at something the other day and I was like, hey, did I saw the dubs and not the subs? Uh, and that might have been one of them, but I think they might have had them like in two different links. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were both on there for some something, or it was. I, a, it might not have been my hero, but it was definitely a show that I was looking at, and I was like, "That was uh, that was that way." So either right. way, I'm happy for this. Right, uh, and I'm a free user of Crunchyroll already. Right, you know that's how I watch Haikyuu. Right. So, um, yeah. And I had um, my hero queued up. I just hadn't, um, hadn't. You haven't started yet. Not yet. But that's all right. It'll be. It'll happen soon enough. All right. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna transition over to comic book news, right? Or are we still in anime corner? Both. All righty. So I will. I, I won't uh, play the uh, comic book transition. Just well, actually, no. We're that's a. It'll be manga, right? Sure. All right. So I'm just gonna play the transition then. Uh, Mahime's Hiroyoku Yoshino launches new Gundam Rust Horizon manga. Uh, The March issue of Shueisha's Grand Jump, uh, Muncha Magazine revealed on Thursday that uh, Hiroyuki Yoshino will launch a new manga temporarily titled uh, Kido Senshi Gundam Rust Horizon in the magazine's next issue on April 26th. Uh, Yoshino is writing the manga and uh, Kenichi Tarada is drawing the art. Um, so cool, a new Gundam thing, probably a uh, new uh, that will probably end up as a manga. I mean, as a as an anime at some point. Uh, it says here the manga set during the original Mobile Suit Gundam's one year war, uh, around the time when Garma died and Char disappeared. And I am vaguely remember the the events of uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam. So yeah, that's 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 helping me out <laughs> a whole lot. I remember Garma dying, but I don't remember when Char disappeared. Or, I guess, hmm, that was probably near the end of the series. Because um, I think there was a good bit of time in between those, but I don't remember. Regardless, there you go. That's the thing. Uh, Gundam stands stand up. Next up. Alright, next up. So this is a review of a game that is <clears throat> kind of a hybrid uh, browser and tabletop game. It's Jujutsu Kaisen Escape from the Cursed Spirit of the Abandoned School. So basically you get to play along with the main characters and it's an online escape game that puts you on the Jujutsu Tech team. Immersive and imaginative, it's a must-buy for anyone counting down the days until Jujutsu Kaisen Zero hits movie theaters uh, here in the United States. So you get real-world materials with an online game. So you have to buy a game kit that costs twenty nine ninety nine, 
And, uh, you know, the game does involve the original Japanese voice actors all reprising their roles, complete with English subtitles. It's a new story that, uh, you know, that, that is introduced here. And, um, you know, there's puzzles and you, and you escape. It's apparently a, 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 a one-shot and you're done. You know, like a, you play it once. There's no replay ability here. Mm. But uh, apparently the review here states that when you're done, you have a one-of-a-kind official Jujutsu Kaisen collectible you can't find anywhere else. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll put this in there. I was, I was like, that seemed like a curious uh, mix of uh, online and, and tabletop. I don't. I would probably never play it, but hey, it's it's out there uh, for those. Next up, GI Joe Snake Eyes uh, uh, deluxe figure pre-order, and it includes Timber. So I think I feel like I can't remember if we talked about this one before. Uh, but Mezgo Toys is adding to their GI Joe One Twelve collective uh, line with an absolutely, according to this article, absolutely magnificent Snake Eyes figure. Uh, the six-inch Snake Eyes figure features over 20 points of articulation, three interchangeable head portraits, 16 interchangeable uh, hands, a highly detailed costume, and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, mm. That's my editorialization on that last part. Uh, however, the most important accessory is Snake Eyes' trusty pet wolf, Timber, who includes two in- interchangeable heads of his own. Um, the de- collective uh, deluxe edition figure is available to pre-order from Entertainment Earth for 112 bucks. I'm pretty sure you can probably find it various prices other places. Um, and with free shipping set for March 2023. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, the article uh, includes a breakdown of all the the uh, the stuff that you get. So. And if you're watching the video version, you can see said uh, um, accoutrement. I don't see where's. Oh, there we go. They don't have a picture of Timber. They just have a a, a silhouette. That's weird. Yeah, it's teased. Yeah. But hey, there you go. If you're bucking for a, a Snake Eyes figure, this is not a bad looking one, I guess. I feel like we talked about one a, a while back that wasn't terrible. Oh, you mean the scale? I don't know about. I don't think it was the scale. No, 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 no. The there's a Hasbro Pulse exclusive that I actually still haven't bought, but it's it does have timber. It's like a more commando style. It doesn't have the three grenades across the chest. Right. Yeah, it's more of a suspender style, or a or a like a small vest style, if I if I recall correctly. But, um, but yeah, they finally put out a Snake Eyes with a timber in the GI Joe. Uh, uh, not the it's the GI Joe version of the black series right so yeah but, that's uh, right the uh was it the classified series? yeah is that, is that what it's called i forget i believe so yeah yeah the gi joe classified uh line mm-hmm. i do remember us talking about that um you know i was about to get into a rant about uh the naming of timber and that whole situation right there but we're not going to do that i'm not going to do that i'm not i, I will spare you folks <laughs> that but I feel like what is this you, rant it wasn't necessarily a rant it's more like so if you remember the the miniseries um Timber gets named by the old blind dude who finds Snake Eyes in the woods and gives him the name Snake Eyes cannot does not talk ever in the series how the hell did anybody else know he didn't have a a, a dog tag 
how the hell did anybody else know his name? Because Snake Eyes couldn't tell him. Sign language? I don't even think there was none of that either. Because remember when they got back to the base and the uh, the what happened was uh, assume me. Sadly, I remember this stuff. Uh, they got back to the base. <laughs> <laughs> they got back to the base. Had the canister. Put the put the stuff in the master device. But the canister was about to blow, and then Covergirl had to take it out with Timber after you know the, the gas was coming out and all that. So again, there was no point and no time. No one said anything. Was like because they even asked like, "Hey, who's your friend?" There was no name, no name mentioned, but all of a sudden everybody knows his name. Anyway, that's just me. I that was the thing. I was every time I watched that, I'm like, how, who, when, when? Roddy Cat's about to turn his rant button off now. All right, yes. next up, <laughs> I said, that's what I said. I didn't want to get into it. <laughs> Exclusive Batman Beyond DC Multiverse figure is on sale now. So McFarlane Toys has added a new figure that's inspired by the classic of Batman Beyond. I can't believe that's now classic. Batman Beyond animated series to their DC multiverse line. And it's an exclusive. The Batman figure features a battle damage design with exposed circuitry and glow-in-the-dark details. Includes a batarang, two jet booster effect parts, alternate hands, a flight stand, and an art card. So you can only get it at Entertainment Earth for $22.99 with a release date set for May. Okay. I, I feel like this site, and no no shade to the site because we know somebody who works for them and it has nothing to do with this, but I'm pretty sure that, that they have a um, they have a sponsor, not a sponsor thing, but they probably have a, a sponsor code with Entertainment Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway. And also, this battle damage, like you just got spray painted. Pretty much. So It's just um, a different paint application. Yeah. It's like, they just douse paint on them or something. Uh, I don't know. Either way, I, yeah, I don't know. Classic, whatever. Uh, shout out to Classic Material. Formerly known for Classic Material. Um, right, now he's uh, something else. Yeah, OJ Purple stuff. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness Funko Pop pre-orders are here. Here, here. Which I feel like, I don't for some reason, I feel like we, we talked about this before, but I don't remember. Um... But yeah, so if you want those uh, uh, Doctor Strange Funko Pops of um, of um, of uh, Scarlet Witch or was it what the dude's name? Rinko, Ring, uh, Ringu, Arintra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um, there you go. All of that out there, and of course, Mordo and, and Strange and other folks. Um, have at them, folks. Oh yeah, there's a Marco Chavez one too. And anyway, there you go. Next. Hmm. All right. Next up, uh, Disney's Avengers Campus honors Marvel legend Stan Lee. <clears throat> so Avengers Campus is a heroic attraction within the Disney California Adventure Park. So, you know, it's already an homage to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The park has now incorporated a plaque to officially commemorate the legacy of legendary Marvel Comics creator Stan Lee. Disney Parks unveiled the memorial plaque on Twitter, sharing that visitors can find it near Avengers Campus at the California Adventure Park in Anaheim. Uh, The plaque reads has a quote from Stan Lee that reads, That person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do, is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. Uh, so this... Oh. 
So this could be just me. I was thinking when I read this, well, like a plaque is nice. Why didn't you just give him a, a statue, like a bronze statue? That's just me. I mean, it's, it's probably, you know, it's, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I'm like, he's not Walt Disney. I get it. But like, Stanley, get a man, a, get a, a bronze statue or something. Anyway, in rant. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel just killed a shocking Spider-Man villain. Uh, and this is spoilers for what last week's villain, uh, Devil's Reign villains for hire. Uh, which wait, did you talk about? You read that right? Nope. Oh well, someone dies, and if interesting, yeah, and um, I, that title just pretty much gave away one of the two people it could have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'll leave it at that. Uh, if you were, uh, if you were curious about that, like Spider only got two Spider. Well, actually, probably three, but two main Spider villains that that could be. Guess which one it was. Next up. Next up, so a new Ant Man is coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, a new four issue Ant Man miniseries is going to delve into the past of Ant Man <clears throat> and introduce a new version of the character. Each issue will focus on a different Ant-Man as the newest one visits Hank Pym, Eric O'Grady, and Scott Lang looking for a way to connect them all in order to combat a new threat. The creative team for the miniseries is writer Al Ewing and artist Tom Riley, and Riley will also do the cover for each issue. So this is an anniversary for Ant-Man, so they're doing something new and big with the character. So it's interesting that they would be... um, uh, that they would uh, introduce a brand new Ant-Man here, considering that we're about to get an Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in uh, July of 2023 that's still going to have Scott Lang and presumably Hank Pym in it. Right. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with a fourth character named Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we will find out. Um, I was curious about this. Obviously, we like um, Al, Al Ewing, so I figured like at least one of us was gonna check it out. Uh, there's even uh, pictures of the what looks to be the new suit, I guess. This future Ant Man, whatever, and and his um, and his articles um, slideshow or uh, image coverage rather. So yeah. And um, I've been, yeah, Tom Riley's been doing the Art on the Thing book, which I didn't get a chance to read this week, but um, that's, that's, that's some pretty good stuff. So I, I see you know, a lot of people online kind of excited for this book, interestingly enough. So unusually enough, actually, kind of. But again, I guess it's people who like Tom Riley's art uh, as much as anything, because apparently somebody attributed to the, 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 the thing to Al, to, um, well, I guess they didn't think that Al, they didn't know that Al Ewing was writing because they uh, attributed a, a lot of stuff. But anyway, that's beside the point. Like I said, I'm curious about this. We'll see what happens. We'll be talking about it. Pretty sure. Next up, uh, Moon Girl enters a new phase at Marvel Comics. So, beginning in June 2022, a new phase will begin for Moon Girl at Marvel Comics, along with her companion Devil Dinosaur. She'll be starring in a series of one shots. That will feature team-ups with some of the biggest heroes Marvel has to uh, offer. Beginning with Spider-Man himself in Miles Morales and Moon Girl number one by a creative team that includes uh, Mohel Mashigo and Iguara, 
with a main cover by Aletha Martinez and a variant cover by Peach Momoko, um, arriving June 1st. So I guess uh, she's getting... I guess they did something like this with um, uh, Kamala a while back. They basically gave her like a team-up book uh, that didn't last that long, but... Right. It was the it was like a reincarnation of Marvel team-up. Right. Uh, but with uh, Kamala, and I guess they're doing the same... Because we really haven't really seen too much of uh, Moon Girl... Uh, and the last time I remember seeing her was that uh, that Spider-Man uh, miniseries, which was based off that the ride or something. Or so, go figure. But yeah, there's a press. Uh, they talk about the official press release and um, and who the folks that she's going to be teaming up with. Not surprisingly, Avengers, X-Men, and more. Um. So yeah, um, we'll check that out. Well, it's about time for the character, you know, yeah. to get a little bit more shine, and obviously, it's time to come to 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 uh, to coincide with, I think, the Hulu show. There you go. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Uh, next up, though. Next up, <clears throat> so Tony Stark's Iron Cat armor returns under a mystery villain's control. So this is writer Jed McKay returning to resurrect an untold Black Cat arc alongside artist Perry Perez for a brand new miniseries. So Iron Man and Black Cat are teaming up in this miniseries. So between 2020's Black Cat number 11 and 12, Felicia Hardy broke into Stark Unlimited to rob Tony Stark and use his Nano Forge, which with escape seeming unlikely, but uh, Black Cat forged uh, to help her escape uh, her own suit of armor using the Nano Forge, calling it the Iron Cat. To take on Iron Man in a high-flying chase throughout Manhattan, we reviewed the, uh, those issues here on the show and liked them immensely. Mm. Now the armor designed by artist Sia Villa returns under new villainous ownership in Iron Cat, written by Jed McKay and drawn by Perry Perez. So uh, I guess Jed McKay had a story arc in mind, but it just didn't fit into his pub- into the publishing plans of... Uh, uh, of the Black Cat book because he had other stories he needed to tie in and tell. So it's kind of nice that he has the opportunity here to tell uh, a miniseries involving this, uh, you know, this uh, this version of Black Cat that he introduced. Mm-hmm. I felt like we even said back then, I was like, there's no way that this wasn't going to come back up in, in some form. And if that and if we did say that, then, hey, guess what? We were right. <laughs> Speaking of. I could make a very poor, tastefully poor joke here, but I'm not going to do that because I have. Oh, I'm sorry. It actually says here in the article, it says what, you know, it was a, it was with a heavy heart that we said goodbye to the ongoing black cat series last year. But now what would have been the next arc in that series lives on in its own right. Iron cat. So it would have come right back if the series hadn't ended when it ended. Okay. Cool. Um, and uh, in other um, Iron Cat news, uh, Iron <laughs> Iron Man and Hellcat um, uh, annual number one promises to send the titular couple, couple to hell. Um, a press release from Marvel Comics revealed details about the upcoming annual, which will be written by Christopher Cantwell and illustrated by Riari Coleman. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The book will follow up on Tony Stark's uh, Tony Stark Iron Man proposing to Patsy Walker Hellcat in May's uh, Iron Man 20. 
according to the press release, Hellcat will return to San Francisco and a Victorian-style house left to her by her deceased mother, Dorothy Walker. However, she and uh, Iron Man will end up drawn into a supernatural crisis that involves them having to, quote-unquote, beat back the flames of hell itself. No shit, Wang. Um... The book will also see the return of Walker's longtime frenemy, Hedy Wolf, and other and various others. Which actually kind of reminds me of a um something from that last uh Iron Man issue, because there was definitely a callback to um uh Patsy's former life that that uh that popped up in the uh, in that issue. So now this makes a little bit more sense, even though it whether that was intentional or not. Next up. Back from the dead, <clears throat> Janice Vell returns in a new Captain Marvel series. <clears throat> Janice Vell is back, the son of the original Captain Marvel, recently returned from his 2006 death. Wow, it's been that long. <laughs> in writer Kelly Thompson's The Last of the Marvel storyline in the ongoing Captain Marvel series. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't been keeping up with uh, Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel. Now he's back from the dead enough to star in his own five-issue limited series, this June debuting in Janice Vell, Captain Marvel. The series is written by Peter David and illustrated by Juanan Ramirez, and we'll see Janice Vell reunite with his former partner from decades past, uh, Rick Jones, who also uh, who has also returned from being dead. According to Marvel, their adventure spans the Marvel cosmos and involves a mystery involving death itself. Okay. When was the last to wait? When did Rick Jones die? Was it in the Hulk book? I think it was in the Hulk book when they killed uh when with the uh, with the abomination. Maybe. <clears throat> Cuz remember he was a bomb? Well, no, cuz they had merged him with the other dude. Um yeah, he came back and merged with that other dude that was like from the beginning of the book and they was like one person for a good while. Uh, and or that was sharing a body for one time. I don't even know. Whatever comics, y'all. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and again, this is not the first time Jen, uh, Vale has been back because he's shown up uh, at least one other time because I think he was in that Silver Surfer, um, the Silver Surfer reboot birth book, uh, fairly recently. And I'm kind of wondering since this is a, um, a Peter David book, I wonder if this is like um, a new quote unquote new old story. Hmm. Like it's set in a, in a time that it's like, you know. No, I mean, it doesn't I guess seem he's like back from, from the, the death. Was written, no? I mean, it still could have been, because, I mean, it could have been, like, since, like, after 2006, but before, quote-unquote, now. Mm, that's not how it reads to me, but listen, we'll find out very soon. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably not, but, you know. So. Anyway, that, that's the thing. Uh, he better not take um um uh Monica Rambo's name. Or we're gonna be some fightings. Anyway, Wiccan and Huckling uh, take on Act of the Harkness as their digital comic comes to print. I didn't read this uh, Infinity comic, but I did see it out there. So yeah, uh, there was a uh, an Infinity comic starring Wiccan and Wiccan and Huckling. Um, and now I guess they're they're basically making that digital in the Infinity comic into a print version. Uh, let's see, it was a print edition one shot that compiles the entire digital story with a pair of new covers from Luciano Ve- uh, Vecchio and Peach Momoko. 
The covers are in this article. It was written by Josh Trujillo and artist Jody Nijimi, uh, Nishijima. Excuse me. Uh, probably still butchered that, but um, my apologies. But yeah, there is that. So if you didn't get a chance to read it while well, and it's probably still on Marvel Unlimited, uh, then and you wanted a print version of it, there you go. When it's due out uh, June fifteenth. Next. <clears throat> so Marvel just spoiled a major hero's death a week early. So this is something we discussed earlier. It's it revolves around the the uh, Daredevil Woman Without Fear issue number three of three that came out this week that uh, that teases something that actually comes out next week in Devil's Reign number five. So yeah, we won't discuss it at length here. But uh, suffice to say that it doesn't seem likely that this is actually what happens, but we'll see what happens next week in Devil's Reign number five. What's interesting about this article is that it reminds us that the Kingpin has actually been in real time, in our time, mayor of New York since 2017. Mm. Holy cow. Has it been that long? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't even remember when that actually happened. But I do remember it after after it came up. I'm like, wait, when did this happen? <laughs> Twenty seventeen after Secret Empire. My goodness. Oh, that explains that actually a little bit. Then, yeah, okay, sure. Unbelievable. Okay, next yeah. up, Destiny of X trailer teases Marvel's future X Men plans. So yeah, there's a new trailer out for the Destiny of X. Um, it was on it's on YouTube and it shows Irene Adler, also known as Des- Destiny, slowly but surely taking control of Krakoa. Um, the, y'all know what Krakoa is at this point. If you haven't been keeping up with the, either this show or Hoxbox uh, and and then ons, um, but yeah, trailers for comic books is still weird to me. I will say that again. Uh, you can check it out. Um, if you if you are so inclined. Next up. Next up. So, uh, Marvel announces a Fortnite crossover comic with digital unlock codes. So, similar to what DC did uh, last year with Batman, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Fans of yes. both Fortnite and Marvel's Pantheon of Heroes are in luck as the comic book publisher announces a new crossover series that will see the two worlds collide. So, Fortnite x Marvel Zero War will pit icon- iconic heroes like Spidey, Wolvie, Iron Man and Shuri against the zany characters of Epic Games' hyper-successful Battle Royale game. Spanning five issues, the story will focus on the quest to discover a crystallized fragment of the Zero Point, a powerful artifact that could end the never-ending war plaguing the island. To secure their prize and save the day, the heroes will need to cross dimensions while also holding off the sinister imagined order, a task which will prove easier said than done. Uh, Unlock codes... Uh, This is going to be written by Christos Gage and Epic Games' chief creative officer, Donald Mustard. His name is Mustard. Is he a colonel? Uh, (laughs) That's the old joke. uh, Let's see. Okay, the comics will also include exclusive codes that can be used to redeem in-game cosmetics, skins. So it's currently unknown what specific items will be unlocked, but gamers can likely expect new outfits, gliders, and pickaxes. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell Fortnite is at this point, and I don't really care. I hope it dies. Um, 
you know, I said what I said. Uh, I'm going to take these next two. They're related. Venus makes her comic debut in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 127. So yes, first, the first female member of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will make her first appearance in the comics. In that said issue, if y'all do not know, this is uh, the turtle that uh, was born in the in the live action in a live action version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. Wait, was that the only? I guess that was the only one uh, that was on Fox Kids back in the day. Uh, wow, I have no idea when this was. Did she burn like a silver flame? Uh, well, the 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 definitely the show. <laughs> Roddy Cat did not catch that reference just now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I see you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I needed a laugh tonight, folks. It's been an aggravating day and evening. Oh, so you know, uh, I did not know that this Venus character existed. I'm going to let Roddy Cat continue, but that yes. was a reference to I did not know the group's name, Banana but Rama. Shocking Blue and the song Venus from Banana Rama. Uh, I guess that was the original. So I guess the the version that we know is from Banana Rama in right. 1986. Right. But uh, the show itself was from 1997. I believe it was a Saban joint. Um, Trying to remember if that was before. No, Power Ranger was growing, so that crossover was about the same time. Regardless, uh, Venus de Milo uh, was a character that was was came out uh, during that thing through mixed results. Um, and I want to say, didn't they they have a section about this in Toys That Made Us? I don't remember. They might have mentioned it. Yeah. I don't remember. They might have mentioned it. I mean, that was, you know, that that episode of Toys That Made Us is so good, but covers so much more than just what happens to the characters, because it's right. really about the creators. At right. least for me, right. that's what I took from it. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, so that's what I remember most. Yeah. So it says here reactions were mixed, and that's kind of an under well, in certain depending on who you ask, it was an understatement. Um, because I think from what I understand, some people did not like the fact that they uh, added a, a new turtle, much less made it a made him a woman. Um, and given that it was nineteen nineteen ninety seven, and I don't think the the character aged too well. If you watch it now, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I know that's well. I think that show's still on next uh, Netflix, so you can watch the show, if I'm not mistaken. But like I said, um, yeah, says he. She pretty much disappeared after the show was canceled. I think even amongst Eastman and Layered, there was um, there was some. I feel like this is where the Toys R Us thing comes in. I feel like there was a uh, that's may or may not been part of the re- well that wasn't part of the reason but that was just another thing to kind of put a wedge in between them at one point I might be slightly off by that one but regardless um um sees here uh writer Sophie Campbell and artist Pablo Tonico will bring Venus back from in the current storyline which in which the turtles investigate the laboratory of the enigmatic Dr. Barlow. It should be known if you have been paying attention to the current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there is already another uh, female character, Jenica, who was uh, introduced in the book. And actually I think it's still going strong in the, the pages of the, the, the turtles books. As far as I know, um, that is another mutant. I don't know if she's a turtle. I can't remember. I think she is actually a turtle. I'm not, I don't know. 
Um, but regardless, yeah, there you go. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 127 will go on sale March 15th uh, with cover A by Tunica and cover B by Kevin Eastman. There you go. Next up. Uh, oh. Next up. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said I was going to take this one. I said I was yeah, I was about to say. I thought you would, I thought you would recombine it. That's why. No, I didn't. I didn't. Because the only other thing was basically that... Um, uh, Kevin Eastman celebrates uh, Venus's triumphant return because apparently he was like, uh, what he said, it's been a super exciting. He's been enthused. The evolution has been wonderful. Um, working with Tom, the incredible Tom Waltz, who wrote the first uh, issue, hundred issues of the IDW Teenage Mutant Turtle series. Uh, by the time Tom and I got around 50, we started talking about the opportunities to bring in a female turtle at some point, and I wanted to make it sense story-wise. Um, that's where the the crit character of Jenica uh, came in in 51, like I, like I said, and uh, blah, 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 and uh, let's see. Oh, it says here that as she evolved as a character, we were able to see an opportunity story-wise to bring in, bring her to life as the official fifth turtle and a female turtle at that, based on what we loved about Venus back in the day. And this article kind of goes on with talking to Eastman from there, uh, uh, getting to the point to where um, Venus the Milo comes back into play. So there's that. Next. All right, now uh, I can move on and uh, mm-hmm. announce that Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez are your new Batman creative team. This July, the Dark Knight's adventures will be under new management. DC Comics has announced that writer Chip Zdarsky and artist Jorge Jimenez will take over creative duties on the main Batman title with July's oversized issue number 125. The duo succeeds the current creative team of writer Joshua Williamson and a rotating group of artists will kick off their run on the series with a six-part storyline titled Failsafe. So I guess this, uh, what was that crossover called? Shadow something? Shadow War. Shadow War. I guess that's going to be the swan song for the Williamson run on Batman before Zdarsky takes over. I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah, he goes from Marvel's Batman to DC's Batman again. Right, and Zdarsky's not leaving uh, any of his Marvel work. Right. So, he's just a regular old freelancer. Yeah. Um, far gone from the days of art. So, uh, DC's Flash family had just gained a powerful new ally, apparently. Uh, this is spoilers for Flash 779, which is, I think it's probably already came out last week or something. I don't know. Um, let's see. Da 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 da. Uh, thanks to the kindness of the Flash room was shown to others, have allowed them to make powerful allies within the superhero community sometimes without even realizing it. Um, Wally West's daughter, Iris, West became fast friends with Maxine Baker, a seemingly normal girl with a bit of a mischievous streak. However, uh, Ivy accidentally pulled her into the middle of a battle between her and her, her dad in Ellipso. Uh, and apparently, she reveals that she, Maxine, is the daughter of former Justice League member Buddy Baker, aka Animal Man. So I guess she is now uh, the new Animal Woman or Animal Girl. So 
There you go. Where the hell is the Animal Man has been, I guess, all this time anyway. So, But yeah, there you go. Uh, if, if you know who Animal Man is and remember him, he having a family, there you go. Next up. Next up, so this is a spoiler. These are spoilers for Justice League Incarnate number five, now on sale from DC. I am not reading this, so this is news to me. But in case you don't want to be spoiled, just uh, tune out what I'm talking about. Uh, the Flash's appearance in Justice League Incarnate number five by Joshua Williamson, Dennis Culver, Andre Bresson, Jesus Marino, Hi Fi, and Tom Napolitano confirms he is still trapped in his own personal paradise reality by Pariah, not Pariah, mm. and that he's willing to fight his former allies to stay there, suggesting the hero has been truly broken ahead of the upcoming Dark Crisis. So if you hear Pariah and Crisis in the same breath, it is definitely hearkening back to the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, of which we discussed, uh, what is it, damn, like a year ago, two years ago at this point? Two years, almost, not quite two years ago, yeah. like a year and a half ago, because it was definitely in the midst of the shipping shutdown uh, after the first wave of COVID. Actually, so that's when is. we were doing evergreen stuff? Right, because we started doing that in like, what, March, April? Yeah, so it's almost, but yeah. I'm saying it's not quite. Yeah. I think we started doing it, I think they stopped... I think we stopped getting books in like April. Right. So I think that's when we started doing the evergreen stuff. Right. Uh, and you can go into the archives, not on Twitch, unfortunately, but you can go into the archives of the, the, um, of the shows, uh, the show shows. I'm pretty sure you can go on YouTube and find it, but mm -hmm. YouTube, um, uh, on the, uh, Apple podcast page. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Coastal of the Podcast Network uh, page. You can go see that. Mm -hmm. That's that shows back there a couple of years ago. It's it's uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It's back there. We talked about it. We had fun. Yeah. Did we do it over two? Did we do it over two episodes or one? Shit, we did a couple of them over two episodes. That might have been one of them. Yeah, I I don't recall exactly. It has been a while, but I definitely remember that we might. I I I have a. I have a feeling we might have split that one up for I like think so. into like think six episode right. arcs, right? Because I think we did six and six or six episodes. issue arcs. That yeah. is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that one probably was that that case. But yeah, like I said, go check them out, folks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Pariah. We we always laugh when we hear Pariah's name around here because we we know him from crying during a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so I am sure there was some of that happening here um, ahead of this dark crisis. Go figure. Next he probably episode. dyed his hair darker oh, to gosh. blend in with the dark crisis now. Oh, God. Because remember, he had like that gray, poofy afro. So now he's more emo. That's great. That's ha, just... ha, ha. Garth, uh, uh, Goth Pariah. That's just great. Um, DC f reveals the face under the Robin mask. Uh, the Robin villain respawns mask. We kind of sort of talked about this, but not really. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, in the Robin book, there was a um, there was a person going by the name of Respawn. He was dressed in a, a version of Deathstroke's cut, well, in a Deathstroke like suit, but with different colors. It was it was red and black as opposed to gold and black. 
uh, Ravager was kind of curious about to see to, about who that was. She ended up finding out at the ending, uh, in the end of last issue. And they ended up going over to Deathstroke's book at the uh, end of his last issue, which both were like last week. So coincidentally, and now it seems as though, uh, the rest of us are going to, uh, get to know, um, find out for, for certain, who this was because it seemed like something that was supposed to be known to definitely Deathstroke and his family, um, which can only be a couple of, uh, of people, maybe possibly including a clone of Deathstroke. Maybe I don't <laughs> freaking know, but regardless, um, they're going to be in Deathstroke Inc. next, uh, next uh, issue, which is issue seven. Um, and uh, we'll hash all of that out. Next. All right, we're in the home stretch, folks. Yes. Uh, I guess this is spoil. These are spoilers for Dark Knights of Steel number five by Tom Taylor, Yasmin Putri, Arif Prianto, and Wes Abbott. Now on sale from DC. So, in a scene reminiscent of the brawl between the Man of Steel and Dark Knight in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. I mean, if you choose to reminisce about that and choose to keep that in mind because I have tried my very best to shut that out of my memory. Hmm. The latest issue of Dark Knights of Steel features Clark Kent using a kryptonite dagger on Bruce Wayne, but apparently not somebody yelling out Martha. Yes. I'll leave it at that. Yes. How do you know that day? Okay, anyway. Nope, not doing that. Next up, though. Uh, Why did you say that? <laughs> God. Uh, love it. Justice League goes full Gundam in new DC mech series. So, hey, Marvel did it. Why not DC? Because, you know, they all they, they, uh, go, they, they uh, play from the same books, uh, playbooks every now and then. But Batman, Superman, and other members of the Justice League are hopping into giant robots in the limited series DC mech due for release in July. Uh, announced at the 2022 Comics Pro Online Comic Industry Meeting and revealed by IGN, the six-issue series is inspired by anime classics like Mobile Suit Gundam, Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, and Robotech, and uh, uh, <clears throat> Marvel Tech On, <clears throat> uh, penned by Kitty Porter, uh, DC to Doomed and Damned, Superman Man of Tomorrow, and illustrated by... Baldemar Rivas of Unearthed. Uh, DC Make t- takes place in an alternate universe where the citizens of Earth dove into the world of robotics, robotics, and built mechs in response to World War II invasion by uh, Apocalypse. The series begins as the Justice League suits up to protect their home from Darkseid's uh, Im- imminent return, because Darkseid is, with Superman's all-white Krypton- Kryptonian mech taking the lead. I feel like this is like big O versus, you know, I don't know. That would be real fun if they did that. Um, so yeah. Um, will we read this? Maybe. Um, we'll see when it happens. July is a couple of months away, but Hey, here's our images of, uh, said Max and whatnot. I believe Batman's Mac has a cape. Go figure. Yep. There we go. Almost like like um, Death Sight from uh, Gundam, uh, Gundam Wing. But anyway, next, next up. So uh, my question is: Did you ever ha- have any robotics? I did not. I at one point I kind of wanted one. I remember the. Do you remember the uh, the show? 
I uh, never watched it, but I I do remember commercials for it. Yeah. So the, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, because I think I think it came on Sunday morning with like Jim and holograms and Bigfoot and the Monster Machines and whatever the hell else it was having on Sunday morning. Oh well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was about to say maybe in your area. Yeah, in my area. I definitely, definitely. Yeah, I definitely remember the robotics cartoon yeah. coming on at some point. I never watched it. I did, in fact, have some robotics. I got it as a gift. Oh, cool. I don't recall asking for it, but I definitely got it. Right. Yeah, I, it was kind of one of the things, like, I saw it in the store, but it was also it was like, well, this is kind of like Erector Sex and Legos, and I was not, not that terribly big on those, but they look cool as hell. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway. Okay, all right, next up. So, apparently, people are not happy with Amazon's big changes to Comixology that went into effect last week. Roddy Cat is nodding in agreement, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, the beat looked extensively at those uh, changes and they uh, uh, in this article provide four alternatives to the Comixology website experience which used to be smooth and had high definition and uh, now there are other options that comic fans can use to avoid having to visit the new Comixology website so you can find the the, the, the four options are publisher-specific digital sites. So there's Dark Horse, Dynamite, Human, Humanoids, IDW, blah, 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 yakety, schmackety, all the way down. Uh, uh, there are a few select uh, publishers here that only offer digital copies through Amazon, uh, chief among them Aftershock, Archie, AWA, and Boom Studios, and Oni Press, as well as Ahoy Comics. Um, there are publisher-specific subscriptions that you can use, that you can get. Um, so, you know, Marvel and DC have their own, Viz has its own for Shonen Jump. Uh, there is a Humble Bundle, uh, that, you know, that's not a consistent thing, but it often offers great deals for large bundles of DRM free editions of comics that, uh, that you can get through their website. You just have to be on the lookout for it. A lot of that stuff is older stuff. Uh, your local library, of course, uh, you can, uh, uh, read digital comics through your through the local library app sometimes the app is usually not perfect but uh you know it's a choice that you can make and that you have hoopla and is not is not a terrible app i've gone there and like the peruse some stuff and even actually watched some stuff watch some uh movies through the app you just need your library card and the hoopla hoopla app and you can you know you know go through the library basically I haven't don't know about this Libby, but I've heard of that one. Um, yeah, I I know. I'm sorry, I might have cut you off. I'm sorry. Do you want to say no? Go ahead. Um, Archie had a. I remember Archie having an app. Uh, maybe they they stopped it at this point or something. But I remember they used to have an app, a uh, digital app where you could like read and buy stuff. So maybe they folded it. Um, and yeah, there's uh, Marvels, of course, you know, and there's DC Infinite, uh, which um, they did have a sale, on, uh, a half-off sale, but that was uh, unfortunately uh, a one-day thing. As far as I know, you might be able to still do it. I don't know, but it seemed like, from what I saw, it looked like a one-day thing um, that you could get half off of DC Infinite if you were so in- interested. Um... But even then, the pickings there or whatever. But yeah, I, comic, I have not updated my Comixology uh, mobile app yet, so I don't know how that looks. But I don't like the fact that they folded into the Amazon uh, website page, and I and I don't like trying to peruse through there. It sucks. So that's all I got to say about that. 
don't know if you have you checked out the app or anything. No, you haven't. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. All right. Last but not least, of course, there are physical comics from your local comic shop. Yes. You know that kind of defeats the idea of not having the bulk. Uh, you know, of avoiding the bulk that you get with uh, reading digitally, but comic shops need your support. Yeah, and in when the whole thing about the uh, the the comics out of this thing, people were going off of that. I was like, well, you know what? That's not always viable for everybody. Uh, it is a th- the thing that should also be still brought up, though, because yeah, so you know, local comic shops definitely do need the uh, patronage. Uh, so if you do have one in the uh, area, you can definitely go check that out. But for some pre- some for some people, digital comics is kind of is the de facto way to go one way or the other. And I know people are some people, the quote unquote, some purists kind of poo poo that idea. I'm like, well, whatever you you do, you let other people read the way they want to. Um, so yeah. Anyway, last but not least, AfterShock announces a calculated man. Um. A math-inspired crime series written by Paul Tobin uh, with artist Alberto Albuquerque as well as the colorist Mark um, Eglert and literary Taylor Esposito. The book follows Jack Beans, an accountant living in witness protection after, being, after betraying his former employees, the Pinafore crime family. Uh, after three years, Jack has had enough and decides to reclaim his own life. Uh, the Pinafores think they're ready, but little do they know that Jack's skills with math and his perfect memory has made him uh, a better killer than they could ever have realized. What follows is a journey full of murder, mayhem, and mathematics. I have seen this described as, um, well, yeah, here we go. John Wick's mixed with a beautiful mind, according to this article, uh, from oh, according to what Paul Tobin says. So, if that is of interest to you, hey, knock yourself out. I don't think we get any Aftershock books. I think we've got a few in the past, but I don't think we get any right now. Yeah. Um, Calculated Man number one will be released on June 15th with a regular cover by Alberto Albuquerque. uh, And it will retail at 32 pages, $4.99. And you can check out some um, preview pages in this article. And that, folks, is it for the news. Um, one, you got uh, got an ad read for me? Sure. I was just looking up a book I could have sworn was an aftershock. Okay. Yeah. Book. Like, like you said, we probably got. But I was reading. Mm-hmm. But we had to make special requests for it, if I recall correctly. Mm. But. Uh... But yeah, I'm I'm gonna abandon this particular search uh, for after had, the show. Where the animals like took over. What's that? Was it the book where like the animal took over the world or something? No. Start talking. No. no, it's okay. All right, I'm gonna move on to our last ad of the night. It's for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door, from rosé to cabernet to torrente. Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. 
You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink winds through CSPN. Do it today. Boop. Uh, and as we come to an end of another exciting episode of this here Come Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you all for coming out. Uh, let me see. I don't think I have anything. Nope, nope. It, well, I was going to mention something, but it was like we're already something we talked about before the show um, about a certain book that's coming out in a couple of weeks. But I'm not going to tempt fate and mention it here just in case. So um, we'll be back next week with another show. We will probably, I um, Agent 70 will possibly have um, watched uh, Star Trek Picard season uh, uh, episodes one and possibly two, I assume, in that time, since they are coming mm-hmm. on Thursday, if he's if he's uh, so inclined. So we will probably talk about that next week. Um, we still got a couple more weeks before Moon Knight comes out, and I don't think there's we again. If we both see the Batman, uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, not to be confused with that uh, show that was called the Batman, um, right. Then we'll talk about that too next week. Uh, we will means, see. We'll yeah, see. We'll, I know. We'll see how we get, how we get around it. You know. We'll see yeah. how we can figure it out. Yeah. Well, like I said, we will let you know um, at, at that uh, next week, though. Until then, uh, I have been Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore seventy at uh, Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com and all those umbrella sites there in. And the Osiris of this ish one, Tim D O G G nine, eight on Twitter, uh, CB cron on Twitter, which I need to talk to him about that actually. Cause I just thought about something. Um, uh, the, 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 the click nation on Twitter and also, uh, comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. Um, oh, by the way, I know I forgot something. Um, this past Monday was the, um, was the anniversary of this here show. Uh, by the way, uh, so the show is what? Nine years old. I believe it Yes. Yes. Uh, so happy anniversary to us. Obviously we had no big plans cause this is like, you know, yeah. Another year older. Yeah, it's not one of the not, yeah, exactly. It's another year. It's not one of the round numbers. Basically. Um another year older, another year wilder wild, you know, wiser, hopefully. And we'll keep this train of uh, booking. But we will be uh back next week. Uh well before I get to that actually. Um you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast approval place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. 
Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll check y'all out then. Um, y'all be good and um, get vaccinated, get boosted, all that kind of good jazz. Please, please, please. And with that, peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah.